What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Tony Darn, and not to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Hop in the car, Panther fans. We're heading to rookie minicamp. That's right. The Panthers have got football players on the field. The little babies are out there learning the system, and we've got all the latest news from the press conferences, from the coordinators, to the news about our mighty mini rookie. Our mighty mini rookie and Bryce Young taking maybe a snap under center. Hopefully he'll get more than seven this season. We've got all of that, plus insights into how this defense is coming together your calls tonight on the cat calls the numbers 252-228-5098 and news around the league Devonte adams is a free man who's proven himself but is unhappy with the way that their team is unfolding and we've got some other fun tidbits and you know what we're gonna do i'm gonna rock with my wheel man cody lashney and figure it all out tone it done it's a tuesday night and the c3 panthers podcast takes no tuesday nights off Listen, man, we've uh, gotten to hear a little bit from our offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, our defensive coordinator, Giro Rivero. Uh, Thomas Brown does not give a damn about Bryce Young's height, and uh, probably because uh, he's a little bit on the shorter side himself, Tony Dunn. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. We'll talk about uh, a comment from Giro Rivero that kind of got Panther Nation a little bit concerned, and it comes with the the other side of our pass rush on the other side of Brian Burns. So we have a full show tonight. Man, we have so much to talk about. You already see all these incredible C3 fans in the chat. The best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube. You know them and love them. It's our guy C3 Panther Pickle who did uh, his own show with Twan tonight. Check that out. Shout out Pickle. Uh, my man Drew. Joey the Blind Panther Esquivel. John B. Jenkins, John, what's up? Kim Sanity, Lawrence Trevette, Five Beta Hitters, Cardiac Cat 13, Underground West, and that boy, White Chocolate Espresso. Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. The number's 252-228-5098. Smash the thumbs up button, subscribe, hit the notification bell to make sure every time we go live or put out any new content, you're a part of it. And consider being a C3 super fan for just $1.99 a month. You can help support and grow this show. We thank everybody for their time and attention. Let's rock and roll into this show. Carolina Panthers open up uh, rookie minicamp. And uh, we get to see some of the guys out there running around a little bit. Uh, Not very much leaking, though, when it comes to imagery and video or anything like that. Really kind of light on the Bryce Young uh, discussion to be honest or insight. It's almost like they're protecting the little guy back there. All we've seen is one little picture of this guy. And uh, then you have to watch the whole internet make fun of look at that little elf out there. He's our mighty mouse, our mighty mini mouse. Yeah. I say I'm ready for it. But look, 
the camp is underway. This what they get a few days with these guys, right? A couple yeah, of days. I mean, it's literally just a couple of days. And uh, what I love about this, and we're going to delve into the um, press conferences, but then the media, and, and, you know, I mean, they have to ask these questions, right? So it's not like they shouldn't be asking these questions, but it's like, what do you think is going to happen with the defensive alignment and the depth and who's returning punts? And these guys are like, I'm still trying to learn these dudes' names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody has a lot of questions as uh, basically as to what this Panthers team is going to look like. And Tony, don't you feel like everyone collectively, like, realized yet again how small Bryce Young was? Like, we already knew before the draft, but now you see him. You know, in the red jersey, in the helmet, people talking about him disappearing behind the offensive line. And I swear, dude, it's like people already just forgot that the dude was 5'10", 200 pounds. And it's like they're realizing it all over again. I don't understand what uh, all the collective outrage was about. Uh, Thomas Brown even spoke to it today. But I did find that kind of kind of weird, didn't you? <sighs> I think this is all to be expected. All right. I like, this is just the natural rhythm of fan discussion, uh, media coverage and things like this is that in the, and we talked about a lot of this as the draft was coming about the combine. And I mentioned it was easy to see with uh, Anthony Richardson, like his shining star moment is the combine. That's where he's going to look the greatest. And you're going to hear one of the reasons where Bryce young shined the most was continued to be in those interviews is that we all said this. We were like, oh, man, the size is concerning. The size is concerning. Should we talk about it? And people are like, nah, look at the tape. You silly. You dumb. You dumb. You dumb. And then we all kind of like, I, I guess, got berated so hard that we had to, that we just swallowed it. We were like, all right, he's small. Who cares? And then we put it away, and then you see him, <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> dude's small. Yeah, he's uh, tiny. How can you not mention it? Do you really, if you were an opposing fan base, let's put it this way. Look, it's our job to defend it. It's our job to say uh, he's our mighty mouse, our mini mighty mouse, all of these things. Uh, He can overcome. This is, oh, it's the X factor. It's his intelligence. It's all of this. But isn't it their job as opposing fan bases to make fun of his size too? Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. You were like, if the, if the, if he was drafted by the Falcons, if we had Anthony Richardson, and you were like, dude, oh, look at that little strippy boy, dude. Some of the gifts and the memes that people come up with are fucking insane, dude. Like you can't help but laugh at them. But you know, Tony, this is the point that I made a couple weeks back. You know, knowing, you know, Tony, I, I still remember uh, a couple of years ago, me and you doing this show, and you and I were known as cam sexuals meaning we would defend every single true, thing true. that cam newton did well i mean listen with bryce being this underdog small quarterback and yeah he was the number one pick but i really do feel like panther fans are gonna have to become some bryce sexuals baby yeah we're gonna have to defend this or like mama bears at the very yeah because you know? everyone's gonna be coming after him bro Everyone, because it does and feel it, a little pedophilic, though. To <laughs> so young and cute and adorable, so adorable. I think it's gonna take some of it, Cody. You're right, but you know, Cam the the Cam sexual attraction didn't come 
immediate like like yeah there was a gen- there was an excitement that was generated by having this awesome player right but at the same time it was not uh it was just it was also the dynamic play on the field that brought that too right yeah. so we're going to i mean is this will come and continue with as long i mean we're going to need some success on the field to make that excitement and that endearment and that protective uh, gene to cultivate it, but you're right. I mean, we're gonna have to go big brother out here and protect our guy. Yeah, man, that's little bro. We now have to be the older brother, and we gotta be possessive over our guy. And you know who else is our guy? P Dubs. Nice with nice the twenty dollar love bomb. This is the media disrespect out there for the Panthers. It's palpable, and I love it. Don't worry, we'll make room on the Panther bandwagon in January. I appreciate P-Dubs. I believe the same thing. Uh, A slept-on Panthers team is indeed the best Panthers team. Uh, Tony, you ready to jump into the show tonight? let's go. uh, And uh, give these people people what they want. So Rookie Minicamp Wrap-Up is the name and title of tonight's show. And, uh, you know, Tony just mentioned how there's so many people when they defend Bryce, the first thing they go to, is the film. And lo and behold, uh, today when Panthers offensive coordinator Thomas Brown was asked about Bryce Young's height, he says, I've never cared about it because I evaluate tape and I evaluate the person. Tony, it's one thing to hear people in the media say this, but does it make it feel better when it is coming from our offensive coordinator or is this just another Okay, no, so it doesn't make it. Thinking. It doesn't make it feel better. It's like first they made the damn pick. They better like the guy, right? They better uh, like the tape. This is what they're gonna say. I mean, they, this is what they have to say. Um, and this is what I mean. And and they probably mean it. I mean, they made the pick. They picked him over everybody else, right? And so that size was not um, a a factor too big or too little to steer them to another selection. Uh, now, one of the things that was interesting in this press conference is they asked him about that process, about like some of the things we'll get to that in a moment, but he said, I'm not going to share my rankings before. Cause he said he had to come in. Part of his interview process was sharing. They asked him if he had done work on these quarterbacks. He said, I'm not going to share my rankings. I would, I would, my follow up question today to him on that as they, as he then actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and play. It's the last clip. We're going to go to, we're going to do the last clip in the first segment. Why Bryce Young? Let's go to that because he was talking about this is why he said Bryce Young. And I want to talk about um, why they selected Bryce Young. And is that the David Newton question? No, no, there's one more. Uh, it's no, it's part, it's after that. It's uh, the first link on page two. All right. Gotcha. So this is, they asked him why they, why they picked Bryce Young. And this actually, in some ways is, this is why we know that they picked Bryce Young. And also to me, slightly a little concerning. And this is, I have a secret fear. I've mentioned it on this show before. Let's hear uh, what Thomas Brown has to say about why they selected or why it was Bryce Young. Well, since I'm trying to get all the answers, will Bryce be your starter week one? There you go. I'm never going to answer that question. Oh, the, ne- next clip. Oh, that's oh, that's did I? Oh, man, did I paste them twice? All right, that's my fault. That's my fault. I'll pull it up real quick. 
Um, why do you think they selected Bryce Young? And here, and, and I just screwed that up. I bungled it up. But here, you tell me, and I'll pull it up real quick. I mean, it, no, I believe in that face value. Uh, you know, so many people along the way during this process said that Bryce Young had the best film. And again, when you look at film, it's subjective when it comes to whoever's watching the film. You know, a lot of people like Chris Sims. A lot of people make fun of Chris Sims. He had C.J. Stroud, number one. But just about to a man, every other well-respected pundit in the media, at least, came forward saying that Bryce Young had the best film. He won a Heisman. He broke records at Alabama. And yeah, when you break down the film, to me, it's not crazy to think that the Panthers think the same way. That right, he here's does the, have the best film. Here's the clip. Tell me if the audio doesn't work for some reason. Make sure it's all the way up. Came in and kind of made the end of it with Scott and, and Dan and Samir. Um, we had the specific question about, you know, one, have I evaluated the quarterbacks, which I had, and kind of how I saw them, which I won't go through my, you know, rankings at the time then. But um, I felt really good about Bryce through that process at that time, just based on just film study. Uh, but having a chance to be on the road, see all the quarterbacks almost kind of back to back in different settings, whether it be, you know, at a dinner to kind of get a feel for their personalities, what they knew from a knowledge standpoint. Uh, I would say what kind of put him over the hump in my mind was spending time with him just talking about this ball, how his brain works, how he communicates, what he can recall, how he can adjust on the fly. And also he always just stayed, you know, here the entire time. Just loved the poise. Um, you know, never got rattled for the most part, even though Frank tried to shake him up a couple of times to try to see how he responded to it. But he was he was cool, calm, and collective. Then being able to have a chance to, you know, just hear about, I would say starting first. All right, that's uh. So here is the thing: is you're right. They 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 put tape up in the in the mix, right? Um, that's a big part of it. One of the things, Cody, though, that kind of I would say, I don't know if it bugs me, or this is it's because he won the interview, right? Why am I? Did I just screw up the background? I think I did. No, you didn't. Right. Okay. Uh, he won the interview. Right. That's what he does. He wins the interviews. He wins. It's his personality. It's his intelligence. It's the thing between his ears. It's not his body. Right. Yeah. So it's his tape and his intelligence. In some cases, that slightly makes me nervous. Right. I mean, and I mean, in many ways, it makes me very comfortable. Right. Is because like, hey, having a guy that is that has the most complicated position in the league, that's what you want. But it's almost like that's the only reason <laughs> you picked him. And I wanted to ask, I guess this is my question to him. And I'm very excited. And I think anytime if we don't just say, oh, it's the best thing that we're gonna, I'm going to be viewed as a hater. I'm not. I'm very excited about him. I do have some questions about will his arm strength look adequate at the next level? People said it was adequate in college. But will you go to a bigger football you go to bigger players, you go to a faster game, you know what I mean? The hashes are farther apart or whatever the it is. You know, I mean, will we see any of that translate or will it just continue to be adequate? Um, I wanted to ask, my follow-up question to him would have been, when you don't reveal to us your rankings, right? We don't. I don't want to know what your pre-rankings were, but after you went through this process, how easy of a decision was it? Or was it a difficult decision still? Yeah. You know, was this like, yeah. oh, man, hey, he won me over. This is, like he said, this is what put him over the hump. But we're there. I would like to know, and, you know, he probably couldn't answer that honestly. 
But, you know, was this a close call between two guys and three guys, or was this Bryce Young and everybody else? Well, now there's a story that's gone around about when Bryce Young had his interview, his dinner with the Panthers. They were eating dinner, and uh, it came out that it was Thomas Brown was the one that asked him, that asked Bryce Young the question about what his weekly routine was. Oh, yeah. And then and they got annoyed at how long yeah, it was. Yeah, and Thomas Bell was like, hey, bro, you're good. You ain't even got to say no more, dog. And, like, like, but, first, I make my overnight oats. I soak them in yeah, almond milk so the night before to prepare. oriented that it's insane. And by the way, even in that clip that you just played right there, he said that Frank Wright tried to, you know. Rattle him. Yeah, tried to rattle him. But the fact that the guy is calm under pressure, that's another thing. For the little guy, the moment is never too big for him. That's and, where that's the that's the most exciting. Right. I think that's what it is for me. Is like, yes, I want the sure I have some con, not concerns is look, they're not concerns as much as just the reality. He's a smaller guy. Right. It's the right. rea it's a reality. He's a smaller guy. Uh the reality is he doesn't have a bazooka. Right. That's just a reality. I mean, it's just what he's going to have to play with. But the what is so cool to me is the idea of having a guy that could be like Peyton Manning, that could be like Tom Brady, that could be an offensive coordinator on the field. Yes. That's ultimately what Luke Keekley, what we saw from Luke Keekley at the linebacker position where he understands what's happening so quickly. You know, we just that is exciting. But then. The moment in that Auburn game when they got like a minute left, they're down by whatever, and they're like on the five-yard line, and the guy is like grinning. And as I heard one guy describe it like a psychopath, like you're supposed to be nervous. So I'm the nervous guy. Like I'm the guy that crumples. Uh, I like to – We used to when I was in college, we used to go bowling. And I was decent, a decent bowler until it mattered. And then it was like, oh, like this is like, and we were in a bowling league. And if it was on me to pick up this frame, I'm just crumple, just straight crumple, right? It's like the pressure. That's what, and, and that's what has been, to be honest, that's what's cooler to me about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes than the, I know that Josh Allen has the bazooka, Cody. But what is crazy to me is over the last two years and him and Burrow, it's, it's just like this. Is It used to be back in the day, if you went up by seven and it was under two minutes and they only had one timeout, game over. These yeah, guys, you give like them 40 seconds. Yeah you, yeah, you give them 40 yeah. seconds and no timeouts, and all of a sudden it's going into overtime. That's yeah. what I'm excited about. That is the intangible that we have been told Bryce Young has, and I can't wait to see. And you know what, Tony? I even want to make sure that we don't fall into this trap in the other direction, right? Because we're already talking about, well, yeah, he doesn't have the bazooka. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. I feel like that can put us in a mental trap of us already knowing what kind of quarterback he's destined to be, right? Right. And just, and just off the top of your head, that's like, oh, he's the quarterback that's never going to take shots. And even if you watch this Alabama film, that's just not true. It's not accurate. So I, I also think that we need to pump the brakes on on his ability to also be a dynamic down the field passer as well. Um, you know, I was watching a video recently about Joe Montana and how when he came into the NFL, 
uh, you know, they were running that West Coast style offense. And it was so revolutionary because it was getting the ball out of out of Joe Montana's hands really fast, really efficient, moving the ball downfield. And inevitably, that would open up shots down the field. And Joe Montana had such a great view of the field that whenever those moments would happen, he would always capitalize on them. Yeah, and I, it feels like that is that is what we're hoping for. That type of quarterback from Bryce Young. I look. I agree. I think that's a great point. Is first, let's not put any player in a box too early. Right. right. But when I talk about arm strength, to me, I know that it's easy for people to take a, talk about downfield passing. I don't think arm strength ultimately is downfield passing. Right. Because a lot of times these guys have to run under it. You know, Cam Newton had a bazooka and that didn't always turn out best. Sometimes he would throw oh. a 90 mile an hour fastball and you're like, dude, I'm right beside you. Right. It's like yeah. Cam's Cam's problem was touch. Right. Was air, putting air under it sometimes later in his career or some of these. So just being able to throw a, 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 you know, launch a missile. That's not what I'm talking about. What I guess I'm kind of interested in seeing is what happens when it feels open. You know, like the pass yeah. feels open and you're like, oh, yeah, got this, throw it. And it's like, um, wait a second. By the time it gets there, people are closing. We'll just so we'll see. It's like, I mean, we'll see. I think it's going to be more in the intermediate passing game that the arm strength is probably the most significant, if that makes sense. It's like because yeah. windows are smaller, the timing's faster. Uh, you know, you just can't lay it up all the time. You got to. So we'll see. I'm excited about them, though. Yeah. Excited about the intangible of it. But you do see him out there. He looks tiny. Uh, but that's just going to be what we're going to deal with. I mean, guess what? It's not like uh, Kyler Murray's bigger over, you know, that's what they're going to no. do. He's going to be and, part and, of the game. And to add on to that, Tony, you hear Fitterer and Frank Reich talk about his ability to add more to his lower half, to his legs, and to his, his frame. I'm going to be real. I kind of think this is the weight that is probably best for Bryce to play at. He doesn't have that frame that lends itself to a lot of thick rock muscle, you know, not, not like a, a Russell Wilson, if that makes sense. He just doesn't have that kind of frame, even though the height is around the same, it's just not quite built that way. So in, in my opinion, I'm just getting used to him being this size. Yeah, like maybe no, he yeah. had some more lean muscle, but I'm just kind of leaning into what it is. Uh, you know, who doesn't care about how short, uh, <laughs> Bryce Young is Thomas Brown, who uh, shout out to uh, Ryan, not Reynolds on Twitter. Uh, Panthers. I love it. He's a great. <laughs> this is a great Twitter follow. Yeah, uh, by the Thomas way. Brown on Bryce Young's height seems pretty damn tall to me. Uh, how tall do you think uh, Thomas Brown is, Tony? Guys, if see, I don't know if this is play. This is some of this has to be angles. Cute. I hope. Because if so, if he if this is like just a straight on back to back type he's thing, like five is foot seven out here, five five or something. Yeah, yeah. he's like five, maybe a five seven, five eight. Yeah, but it seems like he has at least uh, three uh, inches. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean his shoulders are tall. I I like to look at people's shoulders. 
right yeah. and like the shoulders are higher so anyway yeah uh we learned a little bit too about uh the panthers one of the, some of the focus and and this is probably the better uh orienting of what to to talk about when it comes to all right well actually you go, go ahead and bring this in then we'll talk about uh how the offensive scheme's gonna look sure but i remember i brought this up the other night and uh and you and Greg didn't quite believe me at the time when I said that it was going to be Andy Dalton to start. But since then, we have kind of been given some more context to that. This is from Peter King um, as to why the Panthers are choosing to roll with Andy Dalton under center uh, to, to start. But again, a lot of that is kind of smoke and mirrors. But uh, this is from Peter King. He says, I'm told the staff is trying to make sure the operation as a whole in Rex's first year, is running at an optimal level. Most of the Panthers' veterans have been in-house for five weeks already as the coaches try to keep pushing that level higher with two weeks of on-the-field workout under under their belts as a part of that. The rookies, including Young, are behind that pace. Reich, for obvious reasons, doesn't want to slow the pace to accommodate any rookie he thinks might have to progress which is to say now it'll be up to Young to catch up to older teammates. When he does, the coaches will start transitioning by getting him more work with the guys he'll be playing with in the fall, presuming he does sooner or later, he will become the starter. So this kind of puts to bed some of the fancy talk for saying he's going to start. Yeah. I mean, pretty. And then Thomas Brown uh, is already saying that, um, uh, even though Dalton is technically the starter, Bryce is going to be seeing a lot of time with the with the number ones. So they, yeah, you're right. There's no story here. Bryce, man, I mean, he's going to start. Gonna he's going to be the starter day one. I think yeah. it's day one. I think it's day one. And that's why you drafted him. Yeah, you didn't draft him because he's a developmental player. You drafted him because he can win now, or right, or you think he. Uh, so what is probably more interesting than some of the player talk is what we're learning about potentially how the offense is going to work, what right. Thomas Brown's role is going to be in it, some different things like this. They were asked about the, the scheme, the schematic uh, split mm-hmm. of how uh, things would – the makeup would be. Whoop, I think I um, – No, that was this me. Is, this, is Thomas, this is Thomas Brown uh, when asked about how – his offense messed with Frank Wright because they're not from the same school. And one of the exciting parts about Everett Brown is he comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree. And then you get the Frank Wright uh, experience as an offensive player right here. This is Thomas Brown asked about how uh, that offense, how it how it meshes together. Being physical at every position. That to me, for us, offensively, is kind of a non-negotiable kind of one, one of the great neutralizers when it comes to this game. I think being able to establish line of scrimmage, which uh, all line and, and Coach Campion crew did a great job on last year, trying to just build upon that. But then to me, it goes from just the physical element to um, how to I hope this is the right clip. create and win matchups. That could be with, you know, pre-snap motions. That would be regular motions, floss feet motions. It could be getting man's on indicators, trying to figure out how to exploit the defense from a matchup standpoint. But also could be in line-wise. If we have a matchup with a, a guard or three technique, might be kind of setting some front certain ways to be able to get some combination work with those guys week in and week out. And the last point, you know, after we talk about being physical, we talk about finding, creating, winning matchups. Uh, it was, you know, for us, we call it a TNT. All right, so things that take no talent. 
So alignment, assignment, technique, right, effort and finish. Uh, things we can control every single day to put ourselves in the best spot to be successful and ultimately cashback is not available on gas in new jersey and wisconsin hey good morning you're heading the airport right yeah thanks for checking i like the car how long have you been a rideshare driver about three years now i really enjoy it isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high not for me i use upside the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy wait a minute are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the upside app yep i get real cash back every time i get gas does that actually add up anything i'll make around 200 to 300 dollars wow that's serious extra cash i'm downloading the upside app now download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas use promo code car for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank account paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code car for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's code car uh, not putting ourselves in the. Oh, obviously Tony is deserves the ice up here because I didn't put the clips in the right fucking order. Uh, that was supposed to be about the offensive identity. That clip right there. Hopefully, I have a clip. Maybe I switched them out. Um, so here, toughness. He talked about the toughness and the offensive identity. Let's just keep going through with the clips, and we'll just work it out that way. All right. Um. I don't know which I don't know which ones yeah, are. I'll try this look. one. Then. I thought I, I thought here I'll do. Well, I have them up too. I can just play them. I swear that I put yep. one about the schematic. Was that the first I, one? Uh, no, now this is the third one, and nah, they're all, the they're all kind of labeled the same. This one has a different time on it tried to kind of sit down and look at both systems and this is it yeah this is the one that we were okay this and is what i wanted sorry my bad tried to kind of sit down and look at both systems and uh, strip them all the way down to the bare roots and try to figure out how to build them back up to make them better but also how to put them together to find this perfect blend and perfect marriage so in an ideal world it's probably about 50 50 but there's no uh, ideal world to kind of fit that into that box, but it's been going well. We'll kind of go into next week OTA wise and our third time going through the same install. So a lot of kind of care before our players, but it's been good so far. What would you say the percentage breakdown is of what you brought versus Frank's team? Uh, I think it depends on situation. I think I would say normal D and D is probably 60, 40. Um, but I think it varies depending on personnel grouping as well. You talk about 11 personnel versus 12 or 13, because if you watch in LA, we were probably 97% 11 personnel. So there wasn't a lot of 12 or 13 inventory. So that just changed up some, uh, but like I said before, trying to keep it as much as we can, an even split of, you know, 50, 50, trying to strive. To- and, you know, this is a bit of a weird conundrum, Tony, because part of the reason why the Panthers decided to hire Frank Reich was because you're finally going to be able to have that offensive play caller at your head coach position. And that was the importance of that hire. So then when you go get Thomas Brown, like it's, it'll be interesting to see his role in the offense. I mean, they say that he's building the playbook yet. According to that clip right there, the offense is still going to be 60% of Frank Reich stuff and around 40% of Thomas Brown stuff, assuming all the 11 personnel is more Brown stuff or from what he was able to uh, gather from Sean McVay and his offense. 
Um, I even saw someone saying online that maybe, uh, you know, you know, everyone says Andy Reid is the architect of that Chiefs offense. True. And everyone else is just kind of like the co-captain. Uh, do you envision uh, kind of that's what's what our offensive structure is going to end up being like between Frank Reich and Thomas Brown? Yeah, I have to say yes. In a way, is like, uh, and maybe uh, look, is Frank Reich plays well with others? We've sure. seen that very quickly from the way he works with Scott Fitterer with everybody. So I think what these guys are going to be are all of his. They're the producers. They're the guys that are developing all these ideas and bringing them to the table uh, as they game plan for things. And then he takes that and kind of makes the grand decision in it. But Frank Reich wants to make the, he wants to be on the field, make feeling the game out and making the plays play calls. So I think to me, what I envision, what I'm guessing Thomas Brown's role is, is more of a, um, a game planner prior to the game day. Right. Is like is like, hey, looking at the other team and their defense, seeing what holes can be attacked, what we do well and really putting together basically a menu. Right. Is like, here are our ideas for this weekend, what we're going to put out at the restaurant. And then the chef walks in and says, all right, this is what we're going with at this moment. And I and I I feel like uh, Reich wants to outsource some of that labor. Um, about, you know, where looking at all the tape, looking at the tendencies of other teams, and he comes and he says, all right, Thomas, how do we beat this team? How do you think we beat this team? And then you give me the kind of what you think the formula is for the good recipe, and I'll go cook it. Yeah. Or or tell me the – you know, uh, let's say it's like the chef and the sous chef, right, to continue with your analogy – with the offensive coordinator being the sous chef, they're going to properly plate and prepare everything that the kitchen puts out. But the chef is deciding the order in which they go out at what time they go out, you know, really preparing the meal for us, the fans, you know? Yeah. I just don't see, um, it's it's not like Frank Reich is going to be, uh oh you know i mean i guess what you've heard is this is like sometimes when the offensive coordinator calls in a play and then you hear a head coach going while i'm on the mic i can override plays if i want yeah, to yeah 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 i mean i feel like if right cuz calling in the play it's not like thomas brown's going to be able to go no nah, i don't think that's the play we should run yeah you know, it's yeah, like it's, I mean, it's too late at that point. He already right. called the play. He already called the play. Maybe right. some, maybe just kind of continuing to be in his ears, seeing here's some tendencies I'm seeing. Think about this. Maybe set up this in a couple of plays. Real ad, an advisory almost capacity. Um, yeah, an assistant capacity. Clearly, an assistant capacity. They did ask him about um, if he would be calling from the if he would be up in the booth or if he would be on the field, I think it would be, I don't even know what the benefit of him being in the booth would be. I guess maybe just getting the overhead view and then trying to mic in some of that to Frank Wright to see some of the things he's seeing. But it almost seems like if Frank Wright's the one doing it, he needs to be on the field 
there kind of getting a sense of it. What did you think about that? It is, you put a conundrum. You said this, this is an interest. We'll see how this relationship works out. And I don't think it's going to be a bad relationship. I just wonder how, how important it will be to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting to watch going forward. And then one of the things after we, after we hired this coaching staff, one of the things, it was either me or Greg, I forgot who brought it up, but, you know, one of the worries that you might have is, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? You know what I mean? Like, uh, is it is it going to be too much of a, of a scenario where Frank Reich wants to do one kind of thing, where Thomas Brown maybe wants to do something different coming from that uh, Sean McVay style of offense? So, I don't know. I mean, again, we're going to choose to be optimistic. Only time will tell uh, when it comes down to it. But, um, Tony, did you want to... I would say, frankly, frankly, I don't think it matters Uh, what Thomas Brown wants. (laughs) Yeah, right. He's overruled (laughs) uh, by our brand new head coach. Um, Did you want to jump into that Dan Orlovsky? Oh, yeah. Here is uh, one of the things uh, that's... Yeah, I mean, you you were concerned a little bit about this after you uh, after this was brought to your attention. Uh, I just was- thought this was bizarre. I I mean, I just thought, all right. So uh, is we've heard and you've talked about it, and you got um, is that Bryce Young? You said that we're going to probably be operating out of shotgun a lot going yes. forward. Uh, certainly, and we all know the college game is oriented towards that, right? Uh. I also, though, have been uh, like in my mind, kept going. All right, his understanding of the game, sophisticated, and has worked with a pro coordinator. As in, he just worked with Bill O'Brien for what two years, maybe, or year the last year, two years. Uh, yeah. So I just thought, man, this uh, offense that he ran in Alabama, I just made assumptions, would be a little bit more leaning towards some of the tendencies towards the pro game this is dan orvslowski orlovsky and you know what yeah and they was talking about some of the things that the panthers will need to do to create or can do to help bryce young create throwing lanes he made some comparisons to what the saints did with drew Brees. much we maybe can do under center and the reason i say that is because more under center that you do the more you can try to build in throwing lanes for shorter quarterbacks. I go back to Drew Brees' time with Sean Payton, and Sean was a master of this. Of Like, look at there's six guys in this protection, baby face, right? There's that hardball play action. Now look at the, I call an accordion, like the expansion of the offensive line. There's a throwing lane I built in. There's one in the middle. There's one to the right. And now he's got a really clear vision of really where he wants to go with the football. I think it's hard to replicate that stuff from in the shotgun. Now, they will live in shotgun more often than not, and it will be a little bit more spread out and RPO-based, but Bryce threw the ball seven times at Alabama from underneath center. Mm. And I think if you're really trying to maximize it, how can you get comfortable or get him comfortable doing stuff like that, the Saints did with Drew Brees, I only think helps keep him clean and seeing the field a little bit better. In the- seven times? Seven times? That's it? His That's entire it, career, like, how is that even possible? Hey, dude, in the in college football, most of these quarterbacks are under center, 
and, and no, you mean out every, of the shotgun, every, right? Out of the shotgun, yeah. they're rarely ever under center. It's a lot of play action pass type of offenses, um, but the concepts like the route running concepts, the the protections, all of those things are you know were an NFL style due to Bill O'Brien and what he was doing in Alabama. But yeah, under center is not something that he did a lot. And Dan Not Orlovsky, a lot is an understatement. Yeah, that's an understatement. Seven yeah. times in two years is freaking incredible. Yeah, and, that's and like this uh, is, you might as well not even do it. <laughs> I went when I went on the Panthers roundtable with PNP a few weeks ago. This is before the draft. Uh, one of the things that I said is, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a quarterback that is that- going to be in shotgun." the large majority of the time. And then everybody got on to me like, oh, why can't he be under under center? Bah, 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 bah. I remember. Uh, yeah, uh, pa- Patrick Mahomes is never under center. And I was like, yeah, well, Patrick Mahomes is six foot three. Uh, part of the reason why you're going to have him in shotgun so much is because he doesn't have that luxury to be able to see over his offensive lineman to have him further back it gives him more space and more of an opportunity to set his feet and see the spaces in between the A gaps and the B gaps and be able to look downfield. Tony, let me ask you this. Do you think Frank Reich and Thomas Brown are going to put him under center more in the NFL than he was in college? I mean, we we know they're going to be in shotgun, but is it going to be more than when he was in college? uh, They have to. It's just part of the game. And we know that we've, we saw this uh, and maybe Orlowski is the, you know, hit or miss in his evaluations. And I'm not the X and O guy, right. To tell you like what personnel we're going to run and how this is going to translate. I just don't think you like running out of the gun all the time in the NFL works. Like, I mean, it just, I mean, it can be, but it may. I think it puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback to just win all the time. It's like, are we what are going to run? Are we going to throw the ball forty times a game? I don't think that really indicates having a completely balanced or balanced attack. And I and we know that running the football, while this isn't a running league anymore, is still necessary in the NFL. I think he's going to have to live uh, under center at some point, whether how much he does how quickly they orient him to that, I'm not sure. But I think Orvlosky made a good point there is that there's some benefits you can. Drew Brees was under center a lot. That's what he said. And like, and so that does, and if we, if you could, we didn't play the video because we didn't want to get demonetized because the NFL clip, but like it will, I mean, it, it does allow you to put more people on the line and do some different things. And then you, they have to be more prepared for the run. And if you remember, do you, or do you remember that Orlowski clip that made a lot of, uh, got a lot of attention last season when I think it may have been against the Giants that uh, Baker Mayfield had played so poorly. And he talked about how the, the, the formation where, where Christian yeah, McCaffrey we was. Yeah. And so that's where under center plays such a big deal is in yes. the skies role. I think he's gonna he's gonna have to, and if he can't, Cody, if he can't, that's a limitation that is concerning. Absolutely, and, and by it's the a way, limitation uh, at the very least. If he can't do it, it's a limitation. And if you if you go to his uh, 
his OTA footage, which I can pull up some. Uh, you know, all the all the clips that, that people were saying he looked so small and so well, tiny. when he was under center. It, yeah, it, it, they had him under center. Um, and I do think that him being under center um, is something that they're going to prioritize, in my opinion. Just I think because, they have to. I think it'll yeah. be a benefit, too. If anything, I know that we think of it from our perspective of him having trouble seeing. But I think he's going to be able to see over the guys. They're not six foot when they're in a crouch position. Right. So, I mean, like he's going to be able to see over them physically while he's looking at the line. Um, I think the other thing, too, is that maybe him being under center makes it more difficult for the defensive players to find him, to find him and to see what he's doing, which could be some deception on our part in a way. Yeah. If you're listen, if you're preparing to play the Panthers, every other defense is going to be assuming that we're going to be in shotgun 90% of the time. So yeah, even from that perspective, just switching up what you do is very beneficial because you know, it's going to keep them on their toes as to how they defend us uh, and, and how we uh, basically continue to attack defenses and how versatile we're able to be and that that's really interesting going back to uh the split and offense between uh frank reich and Giro vero you know and I, i'm wondering if if maybe there might be some philosophical differences uh in how they intend to use bryce i don't know this is going to be a very interesting thing to follow going forward uh I, i'll say this right now i think no matter what way we choose to use bryce young I'm excited about his abilities to go out there and make plays. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I, I don't feel as though Bryce is going to have some tough transition to the NFL type of type of game. I, I just feel like there is a very clear methodology to putting a, a system around him that is going to have him be successful. Getting the ball out of his hands, running the football effectively, and, and those short and intermediate routes, they're going to be pivotal to him early on in, in his career. Uh, just to check the private chat real quick, I made yep. some, I had to adjust some lengths. I figure out what I was, when I'm making these outlines, if I don't hit the control C at the right second, I'm still, I'm just pacing the old link that I was pacing before. So, um, all right. So we got some insight there. Uh, we won't even, add, I won't, we won't even play the David Newton clip, but, David Newton uh, wins the press conference again. He says, will Bryce Young be the starter? You know, that was fun. It was like, uh, you know, he's got to ask the question. He always asks it. We got to get in there. We got to get these credentials for Cody. Cody would ask the hard questions. My question, yep. what would you have asked? All right, we'll finish the offensive side up with here with this. What would you have asked if and, – and realistically, I guess maybe you can pose two questions. What, what's the question you want answered that they won't answer? And what's the question you would pose that, uh, that that realistically they could give you some insight into what this team's going to look like? Um, you mean Thomas Brown? What questions to Thomas yeah. Brown? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, mine would be about the rushing attack. You know, we we know Miles Sanders is going to be a very pivotal part of this rushing attack. But do they want? Uh, you know, do they envision Chuba? as the thunder to Miles Sanders' lightning? 
or do they feel like there are some opportunities for other running backs on our depth chart, potentially even uh, like undrafted free agent Donovan Peoples, who is a big, strong downhill running back that a lot of people are a fan of? Like, what 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 would his philosophy be when it came to running the football? And um, my my second question would probably be at number one wide receiver. I mean, do they feel that this offense as is that they have a true number one X receiver or do they feel like it's just going to be a X receiver by committee and just spreading the ball around to as many different receivers as possible? You know, kind of questions along those lines. Because so many people in the media feel like the Panthers don't have that true dominant presence at receiver. Here is a, Look here, actually, there was sort of a question in to that vein today that might give us a little insight about that, uh, what, and maybe with tight end as well. Mainly the X position, and maybe that other tight end position when you do run to 12 personnel maybe changed with the way you guys have put this all together. Um, for me personally, I would say about the same. I think, you know, one of the ideal where I have an extra people who can win by himself, backside, one-on-one, dictate coverage. You know, to come to third down, be able to have somebody who can keep can look to as far as, hey, I got a one-on-one matchup backside with individual cuts. That guy can can come alive. And uh, to kind of get to the question you asked about from a 12-personnel standpoint, I've always kind of viewed trying to have a Y, so 11-personnel or 12-personnel attached tight end as a combo player, the guy that can be in line from a blocking surface standpoint, hold up in pass protection or play action protection, but also be effective in a short to intermediate pass game. I would say in an ideal world, you want to have that second tight end or sometimes a third tight end uh, be a little bit more athletic who may not be as big or as physical. If he has all those two, that's always a bonus. But look at the kind of the, what we call our F tight end, the off-the-ball tight end, kind of being So those are uh, – a little insight is like, I mean, I think there's yeah. still <clears throat> some questions on – they're trying to figure this roster out. And I think uh, one of the things to think about as it comes with uh, – for Panther fans is that maybe – this is the time that uh, hope spring eternal, like you mentioned a lot. And we always look, we're out here talking about, man, Panthers going to go get 11 wins and crap like this. There's still a lot of questions on this team, a lot of unknowns. And I think even for this team, for the coaching staff, they're still trying to figure that out. My cut, my question to him would have been, uh, how do you start this? How, you know, how are you going to, God, how would you phrase it? I'd want to know more about the offensive line. And how it's uh, how how maybe are you concerned uh, that injuries are going to add you know require guys to maybe step into different roles earlier? Uh, do you find uh, you know are these what do you think about some of the older players competing with some of these younger rookies and things? I'd want to know more about that Brady Christensen spot, right? As we continue to go forward, those guard positions, I'd like to know more about the guards because. Those are pretty much where the questions lie on this team at this moment. While on the defensive side of the ball, they are at that defensive end opposite of Brian Burns. The questions on the offensive front are all about those interior guys to the left and right of Bradley Bozeman. So that's kind of where I would want to go. Now, as we continue on, don't forget, guys, the numbers 252-228-5098. We'd like to get your thoughts on uh, the state of the Panthers. Excuse me. And uh, Panthers rookie minicamp. Somebody put it in here in the chat. They said uh, Bryce Young is an above average 
in the human be- like the average do you see this uh chase hawkins put average height of a man is 5'9 170 pounds bryce is 5'10 195 pounds people talk like he's under five foot tall the size talk is ridiculous <sighs> all right uh look i mean I, I think your point being that the size talk could be overdone uh is possible right it's just still a legitimate discussion to have it's one that's not going to go away bryce young even mentioned that he's like man i'm used to this like this isn't nothing new for me but you're also using statistics of average people and we're talking about the a select group of human beings on the planet in the nfl you know it's like uh you wouldn't say that about the but see look i think you can see Go back to where he's. <laughs> I know it's it's gonna apply. So, by by uh, the way, this, this is one of the clips that has Bears fans oh, talking shit. Going, yeah, they're going nuts about him, calling him a runt, calling him an elf. Yeah, and, and, I mean, yeah, he's he does on the shelf. He, he, look, he does look small. And to kind of put devil's advocate to what Chance was saying, yeah, he is Chase. your average. Or yeah, Ch- my Chance. It's Chance okay. Or Chase. I thought it was anyway. Well, who cares? Well, whoever yeah, it is, care. yeah, to you, uh, the fact that he's 5'10", 195 pounds, that's like slightly above average for an average human man, right? American man, let alone talking about a football player, right? Which the average size is, you know, a lot larger than that. So, yeah, he is smaller. Then your average quarterback. No, how about this? L- l- let's just be honest about it. He is the smallest quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah. And and, and Tony, a that, that's it's a fact. It's also, it's not going to stop bothering people until he proves that it shouldn't. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Like there, yeah. There, there is no amount of interviews that Bryce Young can give, no amount of hours podcasting that you and I could do singing the praises of Bryce Young, no amount of highlights watched that, that you can go back and relive and relive and relive. The The fact of the matter is Bryce Young is going to have to prove that his very small size at the quarterback position, he has to prove that that's not going to be an issue for him before fans are are willing to to believe in what Bryce Young is going to bring to the Carolina Panthers. But you know what? We're used to it because there were a ton of people that doubted Cam Newton forever. And then he started playing well towards the middle of his career. And then people were in love with him. So Bryce has to be the one to change minds. And we know that. There's very few players in, in the world that don't have some sort of thing of narrative that they have to overcome. Right. I mean, I think Andrew Luck is probably one of the few people that had that narrative of like kind of the build the quarterback in the lab type player, the size, the strength, the pro, the arm strength, the, the between the, you know, the cerebral, even with Cam Newton, the question for that people had to, that he was always trying to spell was it was that he was a quarterback, not just an athlete, an athlete, right? It's like he could, and he didn't always, he didn't completely defeat that narrative, you know, 
um, the MVP season and the great season right there gave us uh, who believed that he was uh, a quarterback, right? Not just an athlete. That gave us a lot of ammunition to always just say MVP, MVP. Like we just hit you with the three letters back. Yeah. I think the 2017 season, was it, with North Turner, that they were off to a really, really hot yeah. start. Um, better numbers than ever in his career prior right is that that helped us a lot but at the end of the like that was the narrative that he that always was going to be with him in fact i had a guy i work with who it brings up a lot of good points about football just was not a cam fan from the beginning right never really was he he said this what he was excited about with bryce young is that having a quarterback that could step up there, read the defense, and know what was going to happen before it was going to happen. Like, and he was just excited about having a player. What he believed was in the where their strengths lie, lay in a guy like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, guys that were students of the game more so than um, exceptional athletes who were teaching to be students. That was his point. The thing is, is this is there's just so few Andrew Lux. There's so few. I mean, maybe you'd say Trevor Lawrence is kind of that, maybe close to that. But I would still say that even his, that he didn't play in a system under center, there was still a couple of things to me that weren't. I'm trying to think, was there a player? Yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck was the perfect amalgamation of everything that you want. Right. From a college quarterback coming into the NFL. Six foot four, had a big arm. He was built well. He played under uh, uh, under center. He went to Stanford, so there was yeah. no question about he, his intelligence. Yeah, they, yeah, all those things. So I just think that those there, there's so few and far between. Like, I mean, we have to go that far back to find that player. Like, it's of course there's going to be something that any player, any quarterback that we select is going to have to overcome and prove to us or prove to the world. For someone else, for Anthony Richardson, it's going to be that he can be an accurate quarterback and play the quarterback position and not just be a freak athlete. For Bryce Young, it's going to be, can can he, the, does the size, can he overcome that? And it will be there. Like you said, there's no amount of discussion. There's no amount of debate. There's And really, it's kind of a fruitless one too, right? Like how could you? Yeah. How could you even di- you can't dispel it like that's the whole point. It's a it's a measurable. It's a it's a factor that we just don't know how much or how little it will play into his success. And there's only yeah. one way to find out. Go do it. Yeah. He has to ball out, man. He has to ball out. And uh, by the way, there's like some trolling fan from another team in the chat saying uh, they hear nothing but fear from Panther fans. We're not fearful. See, no fan base is a monolith, right? right. Uh, there are there, right now, and it's just like it was before the draft, Tony, when you had all these Bryce Young believers, truthers, some might say, and then all of these naysayers that just think that he is a hobbit that will never be built to play NFL football. And those two divisions are still very real. And like I said, now we're at the point where we have this incredible amount of optimism. There's an incredible amount of hope, but there's also some reserve as well, where people are kind of tempering their expectations, being like, okay, well, I've never seen a quarterback this small 
really genuinely be successful in the NFL before, I'm going to wait and let him prove that to me before I just assume that it's something that he can do. I think you would be like that with every single player in the in this draft. If it would have been C.J. Stroud, if it would have been Anthony Richardson, if right. it would like, I mean, there's something, and you have been saying this is just, hey, but that's what we drafted. We drafted him for the the it factor. So it's the off it's the it's the off schedule. We drafted him for we didn't draft him for his size. Let's just be honest. That's why that wasn't the defining factor of why right. they drafted him. Uh, but it didn't prevent them from drafting him. Now, as we continue on, though, we learned a little bit about the defense. Not as much, though. <laughs> Not as no. much. I tell you, the questions, and maybe it's because this team is like, uh, you know, invested a lot in the offense at this moment. Right. You get a top draft pick. You get a wide receiver. You went out in free agency and did some things. We have not really invested a lot in this defense this offseason. I guess we poached a player from the Saints. I even I don't even remember his name. Uh, I don't even know. Like, your thoughts just overall on the defense. Why do you think that this press conference, is it part just the temperament of defensive people? Like, Ajira wasn't given. Like, he was just, like, uh, very – I mean, it's cordial. These guys are so nice, but they – like, he won't give up any information. He wasn't really interested in talking much. And you can see that right when they first started asking about Jeremy Chen. Yeah, and listen, but, uh, people are kind of mad at Avero. Uh, and, they, you know, there's a lot of people that are really kind of looking down on Avero. I'm still very optimistic. But, Tony, there has been this, this through line uh, that has m- remained a, a, a talking point for us on this podcast for the past, what, like two or three years now. And that is, where does Jeremy Chen belong on the football field? And not only has it been a mystery to us, but it's going to continue to be a mystery because Ivero is still holding this uh, information very close to the chest, almost like like it's a pivotal part of their defense how they intend to use him. Uh, Zero Vero doesn't want to tip off any plans they have around utilizing Jeremy Chin this season. Says they value Chin's skill set. They see him as a guy who can do a lot of different things and that they want to prioritize getting him on the field. Sounds like the same thing everybody said. Yeah. this. I mean, what, what to even make of this? Right now, we're, we're still left with the same questions about what type of player is Jeremy Chen, uh, you know, and and we're still wondering. You know, I'm a little worried know. about this defense, Cody. I am too. I feel like I I don't know if there is a plan with this defense, or if it's like we're just got a bunch of players and we're gonna throw them out there and just uh, like it's like throw it's, keep throwing things against the wall until it sticks, like, um. You know, but here is this isn't this the conundrum with Jeremy Chin just period. Right. And yeah. it's not even it's like that's his that's the asset. It's better to have him on the field than off the field. And it's probably hard. And I, I think this is when we get into these individual personnel decisions. I would have been more interested in asking him like what the mindset of of like bolstering the secondary versus investing in the front four or you know, in the front defensive front. I think when you ask them about these specific player personnel decisions, how are you going to get a real answer when it's rookie OTAs? 
Like, I mean, like that would like that's they don't even have the data yet of like really what they're what's working and like they might have a plan for um Jeremy Chin and what they want to see, but that plan is gonna have to adjust based on injury. It's gonna have to adjust on how other players are dealing with the scheme. Is is he adjusting? You know, I just feel like it's premature to make a decision about what Jeremy Chin is gonna do, particularly when his main value is kind of being a floater. Yeah. So this is short enough. Uh, this this isn't going to ding us. Uh, this is Jeremy Chin uh, talking about how he, uh, he's going to be played in this new offense or defense. Just the line of scrimmage again, kind of how I was you know, in previous years. You like that? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Uh, always just, I'll, be, I'll be able to be around the ball more. So uh, that's really exciting. Um, you know, talking to Averro and uh, Coach Cooley, we, we have plans. That's pretty much the end of the clip, but he says that he he does he is excited about the 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 opportunity to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and I think that that fits his athleticism better. You know, I mean, just let, let him play aggressive, let him play downhill, let him play like that, uh, just like that that aggressive Troy Palomalu type of safety. Well, I don't know if that's a good. Like it's not Ed Reed and Troy Palomalo. He's more of like a down in the box guy. Those guys did a little of. They were more out there, pick six in and stuff like that. Yeah, though. but they would also put him near the line and just let him intimidate you. Also, like yeah, they were versatile. But uh, you know the, the the point being, we're still wondering what the best position for Jeremy Chen is, and I, I think we're all hoping that Jiro Vero has the secret sauce to finally be able to put him in the right place uh, for this defense. That way we can finally get the most out of Jeremy Chan. All right. So uh, this is, let's keep going through with this def- defensive talk right here is the, the real discussion that we have been having on this podcast is how is this front uh, going to adjust to the switch to a three, four, but also, um, the need for this is that there wasn't an answer already for Brian Burns on the other side of Brian Burns since Hassan Reddick left. Uh, and even when you had those two together, there was some liabilities in the run game with both of those types of kind of duplicated skill sets in a certain sense, right? Is that is that can you win in the NFL with guys that are primarily just pass rushers rather than um, and able to set the edge. We went out and drafted uh, DJ Johnson. Yeah. Hopefully I got his name yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and now there were some clips that were coming around that people liked how strong he looks. And they talked about this, his strong hands coming out is like that his ability to bull rush, set the edge, this power play that he has. And there's a there's a clip that was running around the internet of him hitting the bags, and people were like, "Oh crap, this guy is heavy-handed." But really, that defensive front continues to be probably. You think the perplexing part is Jeremy Chin? Man, who is going to play on this defensive front other than uh, Derek Brown, uh, Brian Burns? And man, are you going to just throw this rookie to the wolves out there? This is. Um, Ajiro Evero, and this yeah. is, uh, I think, the 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 clip that got everybody on the internet concerned. Yeah, 
No, not really. We got Mr. Burns, and and then uh, we got a bunch of guys that are fighting and clawing and doing a heck of a job. <laughs> and uh, the awkward silence right after, dude, makes it all better. God, that that that's not a great look, man. But this is this is why. Tony, I think you and I are probably most concerned about our defense. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me it is. Like I've been saying for such a long time, we've been having this discussion around Brian Burns, and is he truly one of the elite defensive ends in the NFL? Well, part of my argument has been that even if he is, you wouldn't necessarily know it when he is the team's beginning, middle, and end at pass rusher, at getting in the backfield to affect the quarterback. And the fact that we have a bunch of unknowns opposite of him and the Panthers haven't tried to sign Yannick Ngakwe or Leonard Floyd, some people have been banging the table for Jadavion Clowney, which I'm not a fan of, but uh, whatever, a lot of people just feel that it would be another body at the position that has uh, experience in the NFL. I understand why this pissing people off, Tony, but what do you make of it? Um, That's what we all knew. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like, like what's the, I don't, I guess the, the, what pissed people off is that they admitted what we already knew, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's all I could say here is that you're either going to put a lot of look at this guy. Yeah, this that's is a left DJ. hand. That's his left. His yeah, left this hand. is DJ Johnson uh, hitting the, the hitting the training dummies. But good. Um, I think that's the. I mean, look, is that it's probably. I think this is what made people mad. Is that it's the reality of the situation is this is the reality of situation is that the, the excitement about this team surrounds the coaching staff, the acquisition of a, a number one quarterback, and you're kind of relying or resting on your laurels of having a decent defense for the last couple of years. And the reality is it's not the same defense. And now here is the concern not only was there this sort of the the liability of this team or the kind of a an unknown factor, now the coaching staff is just being adamantly open that, yeah, uh, <laughs> we got Brian Burns and we don't know what else we got. And I think that yeah. probably the scarier or one of the scarier parts about that is that what happens if Brian Burns isn't ready in week one? What if something happens like our our front is so predicated on brian burns that yeah. it, it almost seems unsafe in its nature in a certain way and uh i thought it was weird how he, i mean not weird i've never heard of he go we got mr burns <laughs> and uh and everybody I, I else like fighting that. and clawing. it's just kind of uh you know i think it's sobering i think that's what this was i think this comment was just honest and sobering and he's right too. Is look is let's not let's be honest here. Is I know people are happy that they root for Marquise Haynes. I am not completely out on YGM as a player in the NFL. This is the only last moment he's going to be able to prove it though for the Carolina Panthers is this year. 
But then you throw in that these guys haven't done this, so had a lot of incredible success, and this is a completely different ask of them in a 3-4. You know, yeah, is that, that's, the, that's the kind of a bizarre part here. I think this tells us, man, it's the Carolina Panthers probably are going to be looking to add something at defensive end. It, like, I don't think it's over. Maybe it'll be as boring as just getting a player who's a veteran who's cut off of a team after, you know, as we approach training camp or whatever, or during training camp that couldn't make a roster on a team that has younger players, you know, maybe finding a guy that is a good player, but just is, you know, in a crowded room somewhere else. Maybe it'll be as boring as that, or maybe it'll be as exciting as going and getting the Leonard Floyd or the Yannick Ngakwe, but I don't think the Panthers... I don't think it would be wise to roll into the season just saying we're going to go with Brian Burns and these other fighters. So, Tony, what would you do? I mean, Yannick Ngakwe or uh, Kev, he's in the chat pounding the table for his board. Well, I mean, that's because that's South Carolina. Of course. And, dude, he's he's, he's always hurt. He is good, always though. Hurt. He is good, though. I mean, he's but decent. I, I feel like he's not even as good as it once was. No, Kev of gonna, course I, he's not. I, I know Kev uh, sent in a cat call about this because he already sent in some viewing material for me to play with his cat call. But, I mean, yeah, this is this has been, you know, during the draft, this is my criticism, even though I'm a big fan of Mingo and what he has the potential to be for the Panthers, I would have preferred to go D-line Early in round two, would it have been any different though, Cody? No, it would have I been mean, the same. You would have had the same uncertainty if you got your pick of the litter at thirty-nine of defensive end or whatever the player is. Name the player that you would have drafted, and guess what? We still would have come up here and saying, "I don't know if that is a tenable thought." No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, no, none of the guys that were there, B.J. Ozolari, Isaiah Foskey, there was a bunch of dudes that also had a bunch of question marks. But um, it, time will tell. Look, I, I mean, like them. They could em. be good players, Cody. I'm not saying, but that, that's my yeah. thing. I've always said this, is that it just takes time for these guys to adjust to the league. Um, And, I mean, like, it's just, are you going to be able to roll throughout the season and put together a credible defense? with that now look is that we we did go out and put a lot of emphasis in the secondary right you go out and you get um we got that guy from miami to kind of come in a veteran dude we've got it feels like 20 safeties on this team you have uh jc horn which they already are call it like it's like he's a dude that's already it doesn't like he's like the guy it's just about keeping him healthy I'm sure they want Dante Jackson. I think this defense could be okay or bad. That's what I'm a little worried about. Is like we don't even have really a ton of answers at linebacker. Where actually do we have any position group on the defense that we feel better about than the offense? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about our defensive backfield, uh, there's so many questions about injuries when it comes to J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson. Are they going to be able to stay healthy? 
Uh, many people are not down with C.J. Henderson. Um, I agree with Sideshow. Safety is a solid position position for us right now. But again, that's two or three players. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. That's that. That's a good question. Um, you know, we we've invested a lot on defense, but we're gonna need some players that are got, that are not named players right now to come up and and make their make themselves known and be a producer on this team. Uh, right now, and I don't know where this list came from. I just grabbed it off of Twitter. I saw someone had ranked the secondaries in the NFL. They have the Carolina Panthers at six at eighteen <clears throat> with Horn, Jackson, Henderson, Keith Taylor, Stanley. Are these players still on the team? Stanley Thomas Oliver. I don't even know that. Uh, was no, that like no, last? No, is this like last? No, this is the new list because Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Kadir Kadir Cam. This is the right listing for the Dolphins. I guess this is that this Panthers team right now is uh, built from back to front, and you're gonna really need. You know, I I don't know. I really hope that this defense. We got to hope that the mastermind Ajiro Evero is uh is there and and that he can make you know kind of chicken salad out of chicken shit in a certain way all right cody that's it uh really there's really nothing else to talk about when it comes to man we could have played this other i mean it's like look is they're trying to figure out who they've got on the other side of brian burns we have one more uh jero vero clip it's only 49 seconds let's just play that and then, uh, and then we can uh, get into some calls. It's, uh, te- technically and fundamentally, than they've done in the past, um, and we're really just focused in on that. We're not worried about depth charts or anything like that. We're just trying to get better. And it really doesn't matter, even if you're a solidified guy like Brian Burns and JC or somebody that's uh, you know trying to fight to make the team. Like the only thing that we can all control is just getting better and being the best versions of ourselves. And so that's all we're emphasizing and working on. And, uh, you know, as we work through, those things will sort itself out. Do, do any of those guys seem more natural in that process than others after making some degree of transition? Uh, they're all doing a really good job. Um, they're all working hard. They're all getting better. We've seen great improvement from the first day of uh, that uh, first uh, time we went on the field for the veteran minicamp till now. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, ground covered. And so we're just got to go. All right. Again, I mean, kind of a little more of the same. Um, yeah, the yeah, defense I, is an unknown. It's going to be. It's, it's, it's that's where I'm saying is like, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned, or you guys, and I would say that you are kind of guilty of this a little bit too. Is saying that the offensive line, because it was good last year, is going to be good this year, right? And I think it's just like, yeah, it was a strength, but will it continue to be a strength? I don't think we have a reason to believe that the offensive line is going to go backwards, right? So I think it is reasonable to say we've added enough to the rotation. As long as these injuries, we can work through them, and it seems like these guys are, it should continue to be at least where it was, maybe better as you see players get more experience. But this is one of those things that for the defense, just because it's been better than average, or average of it, like we got a lot of unknowns here. Defensive, a transition in system, new players, 
knew all of this. And we're just going to have to see it, man, before and I you, can tell you. You know, anything. you can also tell in the way coaches answer and the way that they give their answers. Like, you know how you said earlier, they're still trying to learn the names of everyone on the team, let alone knowing what player is going to fit in where. You know, a, a lot of people are doing their far too early roster projections. I, I think it's way too early to do any of that stuff right now. Uh, there's just so many unknowns when it comes to how our linebacker position is going to look. Uh, I mean, I've yeah, been we haven't even mentioned and, that. Yeah, I want to see Brandon Smith really bad. I love his athleticism. I love his sideline to sideline ability, and and that's another player where we don't even know if he's going to be a starter or if they're going to have him riding the bench. Is is Shaq Thompson going to be an inside linebacker? Just a lot of unknowns right now. A lot of yeah. unknowns, and and you can tell. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, let's go ahead and get into the cat calls. The number is 252-228-5098. We want to hear your thoughts on these OTAs, Bryce Young's uh, size, and what you think about this defense, chicken salad, chicken shit, or uh, some ingredients to play with. Let's go ahead and jump into these calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like Yo, 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 it's White Sox Espresso. Slow day for Panther News, I guess. I'm, I guess I'm, I guess, you know, uh, I've been pushing this thing, this, this narrative, I guess, on that narrative, agenda, that's the word I'm looking for. I want Clowney on this team, Jadavion Clowney. To me, he is a must, and we can get him cheap. Cody, I sent you the PFF scores. I sent you... You know, his stats and everything. Pull them up. Show the people. And tell me, y'all don't want this man on your team. Or we don't need him. The dude is a run-stuffing defensive end. He does everything that our DC wants. He's played off. He's played outside linebacker. He's played defensive end. He's played a 3-4. He's played a 4-3. He's very versatile which is what we like here. And last year he signed with the Browns one year, 11 mil. We can get him cheaper. And by the way, two years ago, had the same, actually had more sacks than Brian Burns and better rush, rushing defense and pass defense. So pull it up, Cody. Peace. So he's shared a lot of stuff here. He's showing Brian Burns' 2021 season stats uh, compared to Clowney in 2022. And, I mean, again, if you're going by PFF, he did have some decent numbers overall in run defense and pass rush. Uh, Again, three sacks. I mean, it's not 
it's not a ton of production uh, than the year before 2021. He had 11 sacks that would have been tied for 11th in the NFL. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I guess you could do worse than Jadavion Clowney. I, I just I worry that he's a little bit injury prone. I no, worry it would help though. I think this. Hill. Who cares? Who you know what? You know what? Is he's way better than any of the things that we got right now. I think that's the real point here. Is like, yeah, we're not talking about building around him for the future. We're talking about getting through this season. The question is, do you want to take out the rental, the short term lease? Uh, which with Clowney, he's made a bunch of money in his career, so you could go and get that. Or um, or do you want to – do you go desperate? I almost feel like that would probably be the safer route than paying Yannick or somebody else. And like, I mean, because that's going to cost. If he's going to end up being cheaper, then, yeah, I'm for it. Even if, who remember, cares if it's $10 million? Who really cares if it's $10 million? No like, if we have also, the money to do it yeah. and cover it – as long as it doesn't affect us into the problem with salary cap is not overpaying somebody on one year. It's paying them where it, it catches up to you the year after. So fuck it. If we got $12 million, I'd rather instead of saving $12 million and getting three players that suck, then get one player that we think might make an impact. Yeah. Hey, former number one overall pick in the draft. I mean, if he's the cheaper option and if he's healthy and if he's willing to come in and, be that perfect compliment to what we're looking to do. Yeah, do it, man. I'm kind of interested in why Yannick and Gakwe hasn't signed. Like, why Apparently, didn't he, Why wasn't he one of those I guys that got the hearing, big deal? Well, I keep on hearing that he's asking for a big deal, but I, apparently the market isn't looking to pay him that much of a big deal. So no I kidding. don't know, man. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now the more I think about it, and I, I, hate, I hate to I hate to agree with Kev, you know, because he's just a Gamecock fan, and but, he's a veteran too. Yeah, he's a veteran, and you know, setting the. To be honest, I think DJ Johnson could learn a lot from yes, yes. Clowny type of player. Go get him! Yeah. Go get him! I'm on the Clowny. I'm convinced we need Jadavion Clowny. Let's go to the next goal. What's up, man? This is JC, long-time listener, the first-time caller. What's up, JC? Panther fan. I actually host a college football show talking about West Virginia football, kind of similar to what you guys do for the Panthers. But I grew up in Statesville, like, from the 90s to the early 2000s. So I've been a Panthers fan since since the jump, really, though. But I moved to West Virginia my teenage years. But anyway, I had to call in for the first time because I've seen recently that uh, we're giving a camp invite to uh, Gary Jennings from the XFL Battlehawks. He came from WVU, and he was really good at WVU. You can look up his highlights there. But also recently, I just heard him on a podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about the only reason he hadn't made his uh, shot in the NFL yet because his last two times, he felt like he was about to be on the roster and ended up getting injured. So he said if he gets another shot, he felt like he's really ready to make an NFL roster. And they were talking about the trick play that he scored on for the Battlehawks. He had the highest speed that was not only in the SFL document in the past season, but would have been the highest speed at the NFL level, too, last year. So he's really gotten a lot faster since the time at WVU. And I know we got a lot of bodies at wide receiver, but I'm telling you guys, watch out for Gary Jennings to maybe make the roster because he can play special teams, too. But I appreciate all you guys do. Keep pounding. Let's fucking go, Panthers. Bryce Young, Rookie of the Year. Hey, Rookie of the Year. I like that. 
Hey, we love first time callers. Uh, people that call in for the first time. And uh, hey, man, continue doing your uh, your West Virginia show, man. We, yeah, we drop the we, name next time. We're going to check it yeah. out. Uh, and that's also, we always, this is the type of audience that needs to know about those types of names, too. Everybody knows about Bryce Young. Uh, speaking of some guys that are. Um, you said Gary it, Jennings, right? Right. Yeah, he did. Um, it's not the guy because we signed a defensive guy. Who's the defensive guy we signed from the XFL or something today or yesterday? Uh, this Antoine. Guy. What, Twan? Twan signed with the damn Panthers. Oh, shit. Way to go, Twan. <laughs> Way to go from, no, uh, uh, from a podcast. Man, he's going to get all the interviews now. Bro, he's the man. Uh, I mean, no, listen, we've been signed. I know we signed three players up from the XFL. Uh, I'm trying to find the, the here's list. A cool, here's and another. Again, I, I am, I am hundred percent honest and open. I am. So, you know how you're turned off by the draft yeah. just because to you, it's pointless. Anything having to do with the XFL. I'm thoroughly bored. The moment you're done saying L. <laughs> <laughs> I like I just I, I I don't give a damn. That they, they might as well be undrafted players to me. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Here's a little nostalgia for you, Austin Pro, or at least uh, Austin Pro, son of Ricky Pro, former. Uh, well, Ricky Pro was the former Panthers wide receiver. Austin Pro is a uh, former Carolina Tar Heel. Is uh, kind of trying to be that unsigned. Uh, undrafted rookie free agent and Gavin Green, Kevin Green, who's a pro football Hall of Fame pass rusher, spent the last two seasons of his career in the NFL. He's 25 year old linebacker. He's trying to make this team. Kevin Green passed away a couple years ago as a heart uh, from a heart attack. So this is pretty neat stuff, uh, or at least sentimental. You know, you kind of. Uh, I, I, again, we um, I root for these types of guys. These are the stories that this podcast lives on, because uh, look at these news these news cycles, man. We everybody knows Bryce Young's name. We're trying to talk about the people on the bubble a lot of times. So thanks for that insight there, uh, Cody. Bored at the XFL. Um, I have you know what is I did I, find a clip of him. Do you think we'll get hit if we play a? Uh... It's a 12-second clip with no sound. Nah, let's try it. Okay. Who cares? We have our big numbers right now anyway. This is for you, JC. This is your boy, Gary Jennings, in the, F- in the XFL, clocked at 22.5 miles an hour. This is Keaton, Mi- Keaton Mitchell's speed right here. A lot of control running there. Yeah. He doesn't look that fast. <laughs> I hate to say that it kind of looked was stumbling and bumbling a little. Let's and see. Again, wide He's open. so fast he can't even get his own body can't keep up with his feet. There it is. Yeah. Hey, no, there listen. No, no, no. Let, let me let me be kind to JC, right? If Demir Bird can be a player that is productive for the Carolina Panthers and has been before, there's no reason Gary Jennings can't do the same thing, man. We just need competent people with good hands that can run routes precisely. And if that's going to be him, hey, man, I'm down for it. Uh, special teams, though, is a big deal. These That's where these guys make this team, right? That's the look as they asked Tabor today about the Birdman, 
right? And as, and it's and the conversation comes in with special teams. If you're a guy who isn't an elite player, you got to live on the special teams unit. Hell, Ron Rivera put Brian Burns on the special teams unit. Nobody's safe. That's where you got to make – that's how you get from the bubble to the roster. Let's go to the next call. The number is 252-228-1598. It's me, C-Dog, my TRD3. I'm the video of Bryce Young. C-Dog, even with the offensive linemen, you know, in their down position, they're still taller than this motherfucker. Like, oh, my God. You know, just, when they even had a little black Adam Scheffner on Facebook, whatever. I, mean, I don't know. I just, this dude is so fucking miniature. May lock the fucking leprechaun out there. I don't know what the fuck he's going to do. He come out and prove me otherwise. I'll shut the fuck up. It's like, God, he was so fucking little, man. We got the um, thing about him. You know, but besides that, we'll see. Anybody that's going to the week one game in Atlanta, I will be I live in Atlanta. So, you want to hang out with C-Dog 1983. Got that fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you come in here, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the great fucking content. Your boys go live every Friday. And they go live before the game and they have the game simulations on Saturday. That's it. That being said, everybody have a great fucking weekend. Keep pounding. And good night. Keep pounding. We love you, see dog. You're the homie. Uh, I, I hearken back to what I said earlier, Tony. There are fans that are within their right, especially after everything that we've been through, to hold their reservations until they see Bryce Young prove it in the NFL. And that's just the, the nature of the beast. I'm I'm a believer. I think that we're going to put a, a good enough offense around him where Bryce Young is going to be able to thrive and, and hit the ground running. Um, uh, Josh Klein put out a tweet during rookie minicamp. Uh, this wasn't put on video, but he uh, Bryce Young was already making tight window throws downfield, even to just the backups you know, the undrafted free agent players. So, again, that's what I said to you earlier, Tony. I, I want him to prove everything to us. I don't even want us to put him in this box of, oh, he's going to be a short little dink and dunk quarterback because that's probably not going to be true. We don't know what's going to be true until he gets out there and on the field and playing NFL football. And, and one more thing, no uh, C-Dog. I am not going to the Atlanta game week one, but I am going to Bryce Young and, and his home opener with the Carolina Panthers week two, Monday night football. So if y'all would like to hit me up and hang out beforehand on, on some Monday night football, we can do that too. Holla at your boy. All right. Next call. What's up, C3? It's Anthony from Charlotte. What's up, As you Anthony? all know, um, just wanted to call in. Hope those days are going okay. Um, you know, as I said last week, not much to talk about. Um, hopefully, you know, where what I'm trying to say is, last week I called in saying that this is kind of the period of, of time where there's not that much news to talk about because it's in between. The, it's after the draft, but it's before training camp. 
and um, at least week. So we'll be able to see some more content players running around. I know they won't be in pads or anything, but it'll still be cool to get that content. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is um, what our coaches have been saying in these press conferences and you know, first, I just want to start out for all the people that think Andy Dalton is going to be starting. Um, Thomas Brown came out today and said that Bryce Young is uh, taking some reps with the ones already. Besides Andy Dalton, it's clear that he's going to be the starter. I just think that you can't, no matter who the quarterback is, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, those guys didn't walk in automatically the first team reps because you're a rookie. You at least need to get to have reps under your belt, you know, of playing like in, in an NFL system kind of and getting to learn that part of it. But the reason, main reason I called in is because of what our staff said about this edge rusher position. And man, I've come out and said recently that I really think that the offense is in a better position than our defense. Like I just, I don't, there's been some argument on Twitter today saying, Oh, are we already out on Coach Everell? No, no, not at all. I think Coach Evros is going to do a good job with this defense. It's just I don't know if you can turn bad to okay players into amazing players just because of the coaching. That's very hard to do. I know Bill Belichick's great at doing that because he's always been a defensive coach. That's the one thing I'll give him credit for. But I don't know if Evros at that tier. What I'm getting at is, is that we still need to sign a veteran edge rusher. I, I think we really do. Hopefully, Scott Fitter and company is waiting till the market goes down uh, for these prices for these guys because Evro said today, yeah, we Mr. Burns and a bunch of guys that are uh, working at it for the position. Like, a bunch of guys isn't going to cut it this time around like it did last year. You know, I don't want our defensive unit to be ranked 20th in uh, sacks and pressures because then you're putting a lot of pressure on J.C. Horn in the secondary. And to be honest, all the Panthers teams that we've had that have been great have had strong, dominant defensive lines. So I just wanted to give your thought on thought. Yeah, I think it cut him off. Yeah, we just got. Yeah, we just got done saying that, Anthony. The, the, we. I mean, Tony, we were saying this at the end of the year last year that we needed more edge help. You know, and I do like what you're saying right there. Maybe Fitter is waiting until literally the the last moment. And to be honest, he still has time. Yeah. As long as long as they are there before the start of training camp then I think we're good. Well, according to Indomitian Sue, he's not even going to a team until after training camp. He said, I don't want nothing to do with no training camp. I've already done them. Uh, can you blame uh, him? Uh, no, that's <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I mean, right. Is uh, this team is invested a lot on where has all the investment has been on the offense and the coaching staff right now. Yeah, It's fine. Like, Hey, look, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do. Can you take a mid-tier defense and make them? Man, if this is a defense that finishes in the top 20, I'm going to be happy. You are, you know, I mean, maybe not happy. Maybe that's not the right. If we're a top 15 defense, I'm going to be like, hell yeah, this guy is, this guy is awesome. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks on the defense. There's a lot of players that we're rooting for. You mentioned Brandon Smith. Uh, some people look Amari Barno. 
I mean, like, it's just like we don't know what any of these guys are. Um, and and we'll see. You remember two years ago when the Panthers started out 3-0, and you know, that's when we went and we made moves and we added C.J. Henderson, who at the time we thought was a good trade. And it also, you know, to me, I just don't see our new GM, Scott Fitterer, twiddling his thumbs if the Carolina Panthers going into this season still have some kind of glaring need yeah, on the I team. Know. There's co- I, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, there is going to be an end that's yeah. added to this group. Uh, mark my words. There will be a defense. Yeah, I think me and you both just made up our minds right now. I think that that's destined to happen. Yeah, You're going to hear at some point someone being signed to this team. And by the way, that's not even saying that they don't like some of the guys right. that they have. I'm sure they do, but they just can't realistically rely on these no-name guys being these high-level producers for them. All right, let's go to the next call. What's up, guys? This is Deez, and I'm trying to get in my cat call. After watching Dolphins and coordinators for the Panthers talk about their plans for this season, I wanted to address the defense and what Ivero had to say. One of the people he talked about was Jeremy Chin. David Newton asked the question about what kind of position and how important Jeremy Chin would be to this defense. He really avoided the question altogether. He didn't give a whole lot of answers to what it would be. I have watched Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Panthers before, and she outlined how she felt Jeremy Chin would be the star of this defense moving forward. In other words, he'll play all over the field. Jeremy Chan is going to be a vital role to the Panthers next season, and that's why Yavira was scared to comment on him during the press conference. He doesn't want to tip his hand. He doesn't want to let other teams know how important Chan will be to this defense. I think he'll play in multiple positions. I think you'll see him on the edge sometimes. I think you'll see him in the middle of the field. I feel like he's mostly going to cover backs and tight ends. If you look at his stats throughout the season, that's where he's been most effective. Chin will be important going forward, and he's going to be a star of his defense. He may even lead the team in tackles. He's going to really watch the short passing game and the running game. It's going to be important there. That's why we picked up Vaughn. Vaughn's going to do a little bit of the same, but probably a little better in deep coverage, which a lot of people have complained about Jeremy Chin's ability to cover deep. That's why we picked him up. Those two together is going to be a formidable, formidable team for our defense. Another thing I wanted to point out was the pickup today of B.J. Wilson, six foot six, three hundred thirty-seven pounds. He was invited to the Shrine Bowl game before he turned before he tore his ACL. I feel like Wilson could be that swing tackle that we've been looking for. Even though we did resign some guys that could play that role, Wilson may be the one of the future. Maybe he plays on the scout team this year, but develops well going into the future. I want to thank the C3 Panthers podcast for having me on tonight. If you haven't joined C3, join now. But like and subscribe. Join the C3 community. Share and be a part of the podcast. It's the only podcast that's for the fans and by the fans. No matter what you do, I want you to do this. Keep pounding, C3. Keep pounding. Yo, shout out to Don D's ill skills. That's the brand ambassador, baby. Yeah, it is. See, dude, these is he's been carrying the torch of C3 online, on YouTube, on Twitter. 
and the cat calls on the Friday free for alls. Dude, this is the man. And right. uh, and yeah, I, I do like what you said. There's um, you know, I, I think Jeremy Chen is poised to be more important to this defense than any other defense has been on for the Panthers. Knowing I think it's what, pretty clear he's going to be part of the linebacking group, the linebacker group, though. More either so way, I trust Von Bell is the strong safety. You can't have two strong safeties out there. Yeah, but also knowing that Giro Rivero, a lot of the, the things that he was able to do well with his safeties and linebackers last year for the Denver Broncos, to me that shows a lot of promise for, uh, uh, for Jeremy Chen. So yeah, I'm I'm and one one more thing, uh, he mentioned B.J. Wilson, and I did look him up a little bit. His film is promising. He's been hurt a couple of times, but dude, I've just learned my lesson, man. I'm just not gonna get excited about these bubble guys until they turn out to be something. Uh, Mere birdish. Yeah, but but dude, I mean, listen, I you know. I was really big on Deontay Brown, who's still on the team. I still am a fan of Deontay Brown. I hope that they would give him a chance. I'll probably never see it. I remember before the start of last year, we were uh, pumping up Davion Nixon, a six-round defensive tackle that we yeah, got. Yeah, I'm out done of with Iowa. all of those. Bra- yeah, from man, Braveon like, Roy to all I'm of these. I'm done hearing like, about yeah. it, dude. Yeah, I'll, like, man, I'll believe it a, when I see it. Call me a pessimist. But I'm just I'm not gonna put too much stock into any of these XFL players, into any of these undrafted players until until they give me a reason to do so. Like I know everybody wants to have that moment where like, uh uh-huh, I told you he was gonna be a badass in the NFL, but dude, whatever, it's such a crapshoot uh, that I, I'm just I'm not gonna put a lot of stock into these unproven players. Can't do it. All right, next call. Y'all know who the fuck it is. Boyka, boyka, boyka. I'm just kidding. This chase. Uh, <laughs> what up, bro? People talking about Bryce Young's size is getting ridiculous. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. He's the size of an average grown man. I mean, literally, average size. Maybe a little thicker than average. Average man is 5'9", 170 pounds. Google it. People talking about like he's like less than five foot tall or something and like 90 pounds or 60 pounds. Dude, just ever side, just because he's not an athletic freak size guy, does that mean he's not going to work? Come on now. Get out of here with that shit. And, uh, Tony, please don't make me sad and not be able to listen to the podcast on streaming services tomorrow or Thursday. Mm. It really broke my heart last week. I got I it up. It just took two days. Voice. Three days People depend on it, man. I know, man. You know, uh, we're a part of their daily life or their 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 weekly schedule, man. They gotta have their C three Panthers podcast. True, true. All right, uh, looks like the last call of the night. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, the real AP here. Uh, I just tuned in a few minutes ago, and we're missing two of the AP. Bat Daddy and CK Greg, uh, but uh, anyway, I hope this is doing all right. Um, no, goat problems we and fans baby problems, it's all good. 
coaches and GMs and everything else and players. I know we've all, some of us have played football up to the college level, but we've not been in this position before. The Panthers have not been in this position before. And so I'm going to stick by them, man. I mean, look at the coaching tree. They obviously, hopefully, know what they're doing in drafting these cats. I mean, so I'm just, hey, like Rule said, trust the process. Maybe now we can really trust the process and let these guys get after it, man. And they got, like I said, good coaching tree. And we can get after it, and hopefully in the next year or two, I'm not calling for big things this year, maybe 7 and 10, 8 and 9, man, that's what I'm looking at. But the next year, when we start building, I mean, geez, man, these people come here for a reason, and they believe in something, and they're believing in keep pounding, and that's all I'm preaching right now is to keep mofo pounding. Yes, sir. Keep pounding. Hey, man, look, you know, we have our time to bicker amongst each other, but uh, it's going to get close to game time, man. And it's going to be Panthers against the fucking world, you hear? And it's going to be time for Panthers fans to to come together and and really jump on this bandwagon, dude. I'm going to continue to say it. Bryce is going to have every detractor coming at him from left and right. So that's all little dude now, bro. That's all little bro. Uh, I'm always feeling protective over him. And you know what it is, Tony? There really is a lot of fans of other teams. Maybe it's just because I'm on Twitter more than I probably should be. But there's a lot of fans of other teams that really feel like the Panthers are just the butt of every joke. Like they think that we're just... uh we're a walking joke and that Bryce Young is a midget quarterback about to be uh, collapsed by NFL offensive linemen. So I'm pulling for my dude, man. I'm pulling for Bryce. Of course we are. Of course we are. And that's the thing is we're all on board with him. Um, And, you know, look, is we're supposed to be the butt of opposing teams jokes, particularly NFC South. They're the butt of mine, right? Like, uh, and really, it's probably easy pickings right now when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. Not probably, it is. It's been five years of of putrid football, or uh, I mean, really, is the the we are in a we need a comeback right now. We need something that brings us back to the center of being a consistent, while not consistent, winning. We've never won back to back seasons, but being a competitive team. You know, fielding a competitive team and the Matt Rule era on the back end of two years of of uh, struggling Ron Rivera and Cam Newton injured era has been it's been a long road. And what you get is you get a bunch of other teams in here. You get the Bucks have won a Super Bowl in that time. The Saints have been better than expected, given the tail end of Drew Brees and beyond their defense held up better. And really, if it wasn't the Atlanta Falcons stinking, man, it would be all teams shitting on us at this point. But now we got, we don't have any excuses now. We got our quarterback. Let's go out and let's prove them wrong. And that's great. That's what this, that's why football's fun. That's why I'm a fan is like, let them talk their shit because I'm ready to talk my shit. 
And boy, when we start winning, I'm going to be talking. I'm waiting. I'm sitting. I'm waiting patiently. I'm waiting patiently here. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. Um, but I'm not going to go out there and put my put the count my chickens before they hatch. That's, I think, where I am with Bryce Young. I am not worried about Bryce Young. I'm optimistic. I'm excited. But at the same time, there's no sense in me going and telling you he's going to be the next Joe Montana. Right now, I want him to go and be Bryce Young and be good at it. So, look, is I have a lot of faith that they made this decision carefully. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But right now, all we can hope is that it does. And when we say work out, we want it to work, turn into him being a name that's in the conversation of Joe Burrow, that's in the name of uh, Patrick Mahomes, that's in the name of Justin Herbert. If we get any, if we sniff anywhere to that, it's a massive success. Oh, absolutely, man. And and that's what we're hoping for. You know, if, uh, again, I've said on the show before, I have no problem comparing him against other number one picks. Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence in recent years. And again, a lot of people are not sold on Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray went to a Pro Bowl. So that is at least a point of reference and comparison to Bryce and how fast he does or doesn't hit the ground running. But like I said, man, I'm defending my quarterback. That's my quarterback, Bryce Young. Uh, you know, I'm going to support whoever goes out there first for the Panthers. Um, do you want to jump into this, Tony? Oh, uh, ooh, okay. This is an interesting question here. What quarterback has the most to prove next season? Let's go. It goes from Russell Wilson to Justin Fields to Jordan Love hmm. to, uh, I guess that's Lance, Trey Lance, number five. There's a lot of them. A lot of good answers just on this list alone. Who do, how about this? Is uh, We can't say who the, has the most to prove out of this list. because Were you able to hear that? A little bit. Yeah, was that thunder? Yeah, I got my window open. It's a, it's it's raining pretty bad uh, over here, thunder and uh, lightning. So if I disappear, you know what happened. There is not an objective answer to this. So who has the most to prove to you? Oh, man. Dude, my mind goes so many different ways, right? Like part of me wants to say Jordan Love. Just because the Packers have this tradition of going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and the fact that they're passing the torch to him in the same way. It's like, all right, what's, what's it going to be? He's been on the bench behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Dude, yeah. He's my Cleveland second. Paying him all that guaranteed money. And, and I mean, now people are back talking like the Browns are going to be one of the better teams in football. And listen, I know it's very popular for everybody to shit on Deshaun because of, everything that he's done and been a part of now, I still think he's an incredible football player. And I don't think it's too far-fetched that he's going to return to his old ways. Um, you know what? who I might say is number one? God, there's so many good names on this list. It's probably to attack Vailoa, right? Oh, really? I mean, okay. if they don't, if, if, if he, if he isn't able to stay healthy, for the entirety of this season, uh, they're probably looking to move on, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, they are. They are. If they, I mean, if unless they, I would argue, if they don't make a strong playoff push, they're going to move on. 
right? They're going to go try to land yeah. uh, whoever the next big free agent available, try to go get whoever the next Aaron Rodgers of that moment is. I don't know if there's going to be a guy at that, at that point. Uh, maybe try to get Tom Brady out of retirement. Um, I I think for me is, uh, I think it's Russell Wilson for me. Is yeah. I kind of need to see. Look, is like for me is look is Jared Goff. I know who Jared Goff is. He's a pretty good player. I mean, and I mean, he's like he's just a right Dak Prescott again. I think we already know who he is. To me, it kind of comes down to I think is Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson have the most to prove. I think Justin Fields needs to prove. He needs to improve, right? As long as he improves, I think that'll be enough. Jordan Love is, I don't even know. I've never even seen this guy throw a football. I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, how does he, I mean, even if he just completes a pass, he proves something to me. Like, I think it's like that left column from top to bottom. Russell Wilson, Tua, and Deshaun. I mean, to me, look, I kind of think I know who Tua is. He's a pretty good player that people are always going to say not great enough to get you over the hump. I want to know if Russell Wilson is cooked, if he's done, if it's over. And you kind of wonder, is karma destroyed Deshaun Watson? Those are the two questions I need answered. I think we already know the other guys, particularly, look, New England, that guy, he's just okay. He's not even okay. So glad we didn't, you know, it's like those guys. I think we know a lot about the other guys. I think the big question to me is Russell Wilson, is he toast? Is he cooked? Yeah, is he cooking you know, or is he cooked? They're probably gonna move on from him after this year. Dude, I heard that even if they did, it would be like seventy million dollars. And they can't. They're gonna have to keep him for another space. year. They're, they're stuck with him. They're stuck with him. And we'll see. Then I'm get so to, happy. That's gonna this. be an interesting. We're all gonna be watching Denver this year. Who are you hoping to fail more? Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? I think it's Deshaun for me now. And I hate Russell. I've always disliked Russell Wilson, but I've learned to, I didn't dislike Deshaun Watson until he just invaded my life so much with the, you know, because we, it was part of a, our podcast for so long. I'm just irritated every time I hear his name now. Dude, I'm so salty about Super Bowl 50. <laughs> so it's oh, like, right. So you just I, want Denver I, to like, yeah, suck I want, I want Denver, I want Denver to be fucking terrible. And how about this? Uh, if Russell Wilson has a bad season, so does Sean Payton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of interested to see. I'm interested in that Denver. Like, let's do we get to really see? Now we get to really see is Sean Payton the mastermind everybody said he was. Oh, you know, how about what this? if he's a letdown? Maybe yeah, but I mean, he, he's going to be there longer than uh, than Russell Wilson would be. Uh, what about Trey Lance? Do you think it's going to be Sam Darnold in San yeah, Francisco? I almost feel like Trey Lance is probably third in the lineup. <laughs> Sam yeah. Darnold and Brock Purdy and then Trey uh, Lance. Yeah, and I, and I um I would not. I know. Maybe Have you I seen just, Trey Lance's hairline? It's so bad, dude. Dude, it, it's weird. He's like a twenty-something-year-old dude. It's dude, weird. That hairline dude. is. Uh, somebody needs to tell him that we lifted the COVID restrictions because his hairline is social distancing from his forehead, bro. He needs to just shave it. He needs to shave his head. 
He needs to say he got. You know, the joke is you got a four. When somebody has a big forehead, you say they got a five head. He got like a twenty-seven head. That thing it just keeps going. Like his hair starts where my uh, earphones are at right here, across the top. Like that's where his <laughs> hair starts. Um, yeah, it's wild, and um, I I wouldn't be surprised. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Darnold's comeback player of the year, dude. I know, Tony. I, dude, so many Panther up, fans, yeah. so many Panther fans want to shit all over Sam, dude. I think him being on a good football team with Kyle with Shanahan, the, yeah, dude. Oh god, people aren't. I would, I would put it. some money on it right now. Like, I would go ahead and take that. Like, I'd go ahead and put five I'm bucks. With you, I'm with you. I'd put five Tony. bucks on Sam Darnold comeback player of the year. All right, uh, is that all we got before we hit the news? Um, bu- 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 yep. no, that's uh, that's we all got we the got. news. Yep, let's hit the news bumper if I can find it. We need to clean this up. There's that, I know, there's we like got a million, million different bumpers, bumpers now that we don't use. Okay, I got it. All right, let's check out the NFL news. Uh, just a little bit of talk right here is I found this. There is an unbearably long story on The Athletic right now. I know that they are committed to long-form content. I tried reading this thing today, and I'm a fast reader. I've skimmed a lot. Do it. I was just like, man, I'm just tired of reading about Devontae Adams. It's like, um, look, is what it turns out, well, this is cool, though. The one cool part about this story, this is the headline, or this is how we've been seeing it reported. I think the athletic story kind of highlighted this, is that the kind of feature part of uh, of this article that they were saying to look for was, we don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now, Devontae Adams. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. It's not what I expected to happen, but it's something... That's the reality now. Uh, really, the story was not much about that at the end of the day is uh, at the end of the day. I think is this is that he believed in Derek Carr, him and Derek, you know, like uh, and I think that he probably sees Jimmy Garoppolo as a lateral move at best kind of floating around. I just don't think he really probably has a lot of faith in the maybe the coaching staff and the the management of this team. But really the focal point of this argument, Cody, was about how important it was for him to be all pro, uh, make the all pro team. And he told the the team, like the front office, to text him as soon as they find out the list, whether he was on it or not. And it was really important to him. They say his, this is his third all pro team nod in a row. He's chasing after Jerry Rice, who had five all pro nods uh, in a consecutive all pro nods. But what it was is it really seemed to mean a lot that he wanted to prove that he was a great player, not a good receiver with a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He really it was very important to his legacy and his mind uh, to, to differentiate his success and not just say it was built and predicated on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I thought that was a little interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that it was that that's become that important to him. At the other hand, on the other hand, what I took away from this, Cody, that was really neat is to see a guy who believes 
they said his confidence is at, in himself is at an all-time high. Like, he really, truly believes he's the best. And I think that's cool, right? It's like he's walking into the building, like, saying, I'm the best kind of to ever do it type mentality. I don't think he's saying he is the best to ever yeah. do it. That's how he approaches. That's the level and of he's play. he's not wrong he's, for, right? for yeah. thinking that way. But, Tony, you know what I get from this? So, remember, he left Green Bay, went to the Raiders, and the idea was is that he was going back with his college quarterback. Remember, him and Derek Carr were boys. They were close. They broke a lot of records at uh, uh, San Diego State, or no, Fresno State, where they played. Uh, and now he has McDaniels in the building. I am not a fan of McDaniels. I, I think just like when he was with the Denver Broncos uh, all those years ago when Tim Tebow, I think he's going to flame out again. And I mean, it kind of already has in his first year. People, it looks so bad. Yeah, and now they got Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that's one of the criticisms that uh, Devontae Adams has is that he's just, you know, they're going to be dinking and dunking all over the field. I doubt he's even going to see as many touches as as he would actually want. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and predict this now. Adams will be traded before the deadline. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, where does he go? Yeah, and that's gonna be depending on what team is on. KC. Oh nope, division. Can't go to division. He'd have to go somewhere like who the would Panthers be are falling out and we just like, Oh, that would be cool. What if he went to like Devontae. the Eagles? Nah, fuck that. They're already loaded. So many players. I know that's embarrassing. I know. Um, all right, what's next? Next. Uh oh, this is awesome. I like this. Uh this is former uh this is the son of John Fossil, the old head coach of uh the New York Giants. And uh did he he might have been our special teams coordinator for a year at some point. I can't remember. But this is his son, John Fossil. Uh, and he said right now, Cowboys, it says Cowboys special teams coordinator, John Fossil, considering anybody, uh, anybody else on earth for a potential kicker addition. And this comes after that playoff game, what, where the guy missed four extra points or some shit in that game or something where it was like, or maybe it was in two playoff games or something like that. Or maybe it was the week before the playoffs. Remember that he missed all of those. And then they got to the point where they weren't even going to use them. And yeah, they're, yeah. We're even gonna dress them, and they were like, "Man, we're just gonna go for it every time on fourth down." <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, man. Um, just a funny story. Just funny. Yeah. It's, hey, look, kicker problems. Kicker problems, and uh, and that is uh, we know about those. Yeah, and speaking of, Chris Tabor was asked about it. So, wait, what do we get? I missed a call. Oh, yeah, yeah, Joey has uh, Joey yeah, well, All right, let's play it right now before he gets. I told you I got to Joey. Hey guys, it's the growl that makes him howl, aka Joey the Blind Panther. And I wanted to talk to you guys about the schedule. Ooh, the schedule came out after draft day. Then there's the schedule, and if you're a nerd like me, you care, and if you're not, you still care because you really start to see or you really start to envision the way the season's going to go. Yeah. 
not quite like you do when training camp hits, but you know what I mean. And for me, it's when I figure out which road game I'm going to, which, by the way, is Nashville. Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. The weekend after we play the Cowgirls at Bank of America Stadium, assuming it keeps its name, uh, that's going to be fun, although annoying, because the Cowgirls fans are going to be taking up all our parking, drinking up all our beer, eating up all our food, and David Tepper's not going to give two and a half shits because he's going to be making a bunch of money. But aside from that, I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you guys about the primetime games. I had a feeling that we were going to play Chicago in primetime because Chicago, they love putting Chicago in primetime because obviously it's a big market, you know. It, yeah, they they love putting it in primetime, putting the Bears in primetime. I figured we were going to go in one of those primetime slots because, um, because of the – you know, number one pick in DJ Moore storyline and also PJ Walker. Um, but the thing that shocked me is Monday night, the Saints in week two. Man, that's yeah, baby. I thought we would get flexed into a Monday night game. I don't think they give us one right off the bat. Oh, and how likely is it, in you guys' opinion, that we get flexed into either another 425 slot or another primetime game. I think if we're good, I think they're going to flex Houston or Jacksonville, or and they're going to flex any AFC South team except Tennessee because I don't think anyone's going to have much faith in Tennessee this year, but it could shock you. It, you know, it's the NFL. Anything could happen. But Anyway, guys, nice. The growl that makes them how we appreciate you, bro. Uh, and by the way, Tony, they can flex any game. No game is safe this season. Oh, nice. So they do. Yeah, they used to have protected games. Nah, not no more. Uh, Even Thursday night football. They can they can flex those in a minute, which does suck. Imagine uh, now you're, I don't know, that just seems pretty suck to all of a sudden you have a Thursday night matchup. I don't know. Oh, well, I mean, wouldn't it be flex though? A flex would just really put you from the one o'clock to the like prime like sunday night or right. four o'clock in the afternoon maybe but yeah it could screw up travel plans that could be a big problem yeah um man um, going to nfl games is for the rich dude oh yeah and by the way i want to go ahead and say this too i want to be on record with this i love the way our schedule opened up on the road at the falcons at home against the saints bryce young has the potential in his first two games to be legendary for the Carolina Panthers. If he comes out and puts it down on the Falcons and the Ants, come on, dude. Like that that would be that would be the best memory to start Bryce Young's rookie career is to put it to those two teams. Ah, dude, it makes my heart flutter, man. 
No doubt. No doubt. All right. Uh, also, uh, Christian McCaffrey still intertwined with the Carolina Panthers. Um, going to the uh, 49ers, best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. I According mean, to really, can you really blame him, though? Another guy whose no. hairline is on the struggle, too. Oh, yeah. His, his is more toward the middle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to play the uh, Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got that clip that you sent me. There was, you know, there was, I was obviously fired up. Um, but it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of emotions that comes with that, to be, you know, to be honest. I was, I was a captain on that team. Um, I've been there five years, played, played some good football there, played, you know, was on a couple good teams, was on some bad teams. But, you know, when you commit to a team and you're a part of something um, that's bigger than yourself, it's, you know, I, I, a lot of people are, in hindsight, I, I, I firmly believe it's the best thing that ever happened to me. But, you know, at the time, I was it was bittersweet, right? I mean, you're leaving. In my head, I, I was I was pissed off, to be frank. You know, I felt like you guys don't want me anymore. You know, and that's what it is. And it is what it is. And uh, uh, so I was hungry. I think that was the, the first emotion. I was hungry to kind of get back to, to the, the football that I knew I could play. And, um, and then I stepped in the huddle. And you got, you know, Debo Samuel. George Kittle, Trent Williams, Brandon Ayuk. You got guys all over the place who can play. I felt like I was on a Pro Bowl roster, and I thought, man, this team can really be something. Not to mention they kicked our ass two weeks ago, so <laughs> I didn't have to didn't have to play against them, which was great. But uh, no, I mean, it, it was there was a lot of emotions that came at once, but I didn't have any time to to really settle in because. I got traded at 11.30 p.m. I mean, there was, you know. There- yeah, it started over. Right. So, I mean, again, I don't blame him for any of the things that he said. And you know what? Like, we're not NFL players. If you still felt like you were a premier player in the NFL and you had been busting your ass for a specific organization and then they just traded you away, like us as fans, we look at it like, Oh, well, he was a running back that we were paying a ton of money. And yeah, he was injured a lot. But if you're a player and you've been, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was the beginning, middle, and end of the Carolina Panthers offense for the past three years. Uh, Who is anyone to tell him that he doesn't deserve to feel some type of way about it? I, me, I'll tell him. I would just tell him I'm surprised he felt some type of way. I and what I meant by that is I'm surprised that when they when the players maybe not surprised like it maybe this just reminded me that regardless of it being a business that there is a human and emotional component to it. I just figured this is Christian McCaffrey would have was wasting away in his mind was a a premier player on a bad team with a freaking coaching staff that was a bizarre mess with a fan base that continued to talk about how important or how injury prone he was. And I thought that going to a team, making a playoff run would be like, Hey, this is good for everybody. And I, and just an excitement, new freight, new, new place. I just was surprised it meant so much to him. That's what I would say. 
Uh, I mean, or, yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, interesting. Not... He reminded me yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Just I just assumed that it was more sanitary, that these transactions were more sanitary, you know, like just pushing a trade through on Madden. And this just reminds you that regardless, and, and to me surprises me that players have developed feelings for teams and organizations, honestly, because in some cases I've been told that like we overblow that crap and that they are just there to do a job and it meant a lot to them. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's true for some people, but there again, you, I think one of the things that hit CMC the hardest was you build up a camaraderie with your teammates. Like at the start of the season, you feel like you embark on a mission with this specific group of guys and you're going out there and you're fighting for something with the team. I don't you think know? Kevin Durant feels that way. He gets yeah, to, he's well, like, man, well, you know well, what I mean? I'm just, okay. I, I, don't even, I don't even watch basketball. Devontae Adams ready to go. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers ready to go. And the Dominican suit not wanting to go to training. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, do you blame him? He said, I have no, no. desire to be on t- in training camp. Hit me after when you need me. I mean, he's like a fighter for hire now. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. yeah right? A if mercenary. Need, yeah. If you need someone to disrupt and uh, and cause some havoc in the middle, you know my number. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that's it. Is that it? No, we got like three more. We can oh, really? Through. Oh, yeah. Oh, you uh, oh, I know. I forget. Though. It's been two hours, three hours. Uh, this was it. I wonder if this is because, well, look, every time a player comes up, we go, can he fit on the Panthers? Dalvin Cook, you know, kind of same year, same draft class as Christian McCaffrey, by the way. Um, you know what? And, and look, they just aren't going to be able to afford them anymore. The Minnesota Vikings said so they're going to have to cut them, or they've been trying to trade them. Right now, the people my, they've been trying to trade them. I don't think they've been able to find any takers. And right now, I've heard that he could be a post June first uh, cut or something. Or, you know, I mean, I wonder if uh, I mean, is there any is there room in the Panthers running back room for another player? Whether or not it's Dalvin Cook, but like, hey, you know, is Miles Sanders and these other guys enough? Or would it help to have another uh, reliable ball carrier on this on this team? Uh, I mean, I, I saw there were people uh, pounding the drum for him to come to Carolina. But to me, it's kind of redundant, right? With Miles Sanders. I mean, hey, more talent is more talent is more talent. But... um yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, apparently they were trying to trade Dalvin Cook and everything stalled. Like, he was, uh, they were going to trade him and then apparently there wasn't much of a of a market for him. I don't know all the details of it, but yeah, it it, it is not a great relationship between Dalvin Cook and the Miami, or and the Minnesota Vikings. Some people say he wanted to go to Buffalo and play with his, uh, younger brother hmm. is, uh, I mean they could use them they would man they've oh, for that sure would that would be All incredible right. for them uh Joe Burrow gonna break the bank I mean he's just gonna reset everything yeah uh he said uh he's involved in contract extensions he says I'm pretty clear on what I want what do you think that is that he wants I would say well, the most well I don't know I went on reddit and they were saying that he was uh uh, a part of what he was looking for 
was to make sure that the team had enough money to pay Jamar Chase and uh and and T. Higgins. I just saw that too, man. Say that again. Look, look here, I found it. I found it. Okay. So Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow said having teammates who are due paydays soon are a focal point as he goes through contract negotiations. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's interesting. You know, some of these players, I think, too, are recognizing like, hey, man, I'm good enough to where I'm going to get paid regardless. And like, what if my value only goes up if we're successful? Yeah. And uh, Jamar Chase was asked about Joe Burrow's extension. Uh, and he was saying about Joe, he wants to win. He's not a big guy on money. He wants to look out for the people around him and keep the team around him. And, you know, I mean, Tom Brady did this forever. If you do this right, you can make more money from endorsements and other types of deals than your actual NFL contract. You know what I mean? And right. you can put all kinds of, like, incentive-laden stuff in there, too. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, listen, if you're Joe Burrow, would you not want Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to be around you for the rest of your career? Yeah, I'm sure you probably would. But, um, yeah, kudos right. to him for having that mindset if he did. But it'll be interesting. And this one's for you. Oh, hitting dingers, huh? Yeah, Josh Allen gets out in the in the in, in, and into the practice, batting practice, and is hitting them out of the park. Hitting dingers. Yep. Yep. So hey, I think I like Josh Allen, man. I I I, I, I like the big, strong, uh, strapping quarterbacks. You know, what can I Um, say? That should be it. All right, that's the C Three Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We've got one last segment, the longest running segment on the longest running Panthers podcast. Now it's time to ice some fools up, Cody. Yes, sir. If I can. Find the, I know. I just went look. I'm like, we're actually going to get done it. by eleven thirty. <laughs> Ice up, son. Ice up. Ice up, son. It's our time uh, to where we open the show up to things beyond just football, but where we pay homage, our homage to Steve Smith and Ice up. Everybody, somebody's fair game. Anybody's fair game. It's where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up to get it together. Uh, and usually we have to tell multiple people because the world needs some ice. And my ice up son's first go to, let me see this, is one. Uh, hold on. Here it goes. Let me pull the, I want to pull the headline up and show you guys. Uh, this is interesting, not interesting. Uh, ice up to. <laughs> this teacher in Pulaski County, uh, Tennessee, who just got sus- who was suspended after letting a student uh, dress up as a grand knight in the KKK. It says a Kentucky teacher was suspended what? after allowing a uh, oh a Kentucky teacher. I thought Pulaski County was in Tennessee. A Kentucky teacher was suspended after allowing a student to dress up as a Ku Klux Klan meter, um, member. I saw somewhere that it said that they were dressed up as a grand knight. I 
think this though is that where the extra ice up goes, I'm pretty sure, and that's I thought it was Tennessee. Maybe there's a town in uh, Tennessee, Pulaski, but the Ku Klux Klan was invented in Pulaski, Tennessee. I'm pretty sure, right? So it's like I think that like that that's a little too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you should probably. I mean, but like I mean, I'm like anyway. Uh, that's my first ice up. My I next- have no- in today's world, if you don't know that you're going to catch some backlash for that shit, yeah, ice up, son. Right, right, yeah. Stupid. Yeah, I mean, and the teacher, like, is like, all right, no oral history projects, like, on this subject in this class. It's kind of like, uh, I'm pretty sure that the Germans had did this. It's like, they just outlawed the Nazi symbol. Like, we just, we got to strike this from the record. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's also another- really this one up. And Rwanda too. I think they have completely like there's. It's illegal to you know how they had the Hutu and the Bantu, the Hutu, yeah, Hutu and the and Tutsis. Tutsis. Yeah. yeah, and like all of that, like anything that dips their their its toe into that subject is like completely off limits. Yeah, like, really. yeah. yeah. Uh, my next ice up pick is this is I'm icing up crying wolf because um, when you hurl. Um, allegations all the time for political reasons that it gets to the point where I become so fatigued. I don't be- I like, I don't even know or care to believe any of any of them. I saw this headline. Rudy Giuliani uh, is entangled in these allegations that he one was selling pardons for $2 million, uh, getting uh, Donald Trump to pardon people potentially. Uh, but this other is an accuser that, uh, he promised that this woman that worked for him, Miss Dunphy, uh, alleged that he required her to perform oral sex while uh, he was on telephone calls. And he like basically yeah. he goes on to say that it made him feel like uh, like Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, not Donald, like um, Bill Clinton. Like he said that it made him as cool. And it said in one instance, Rudy Giuliani promised Miss Dunphy that he would give her $300,000 if she would forgo her legal rights in connection to her pending case and fuck me like crazy, uh, according to her. And it just continues to have all this stuff. But here's the thing is like, I've been so f- like, what is it when they, when, you know, like, uh, you know, like when this backfires and it hurts victims over time? Is that like yeah. all the crap that's gone on about whatever it was from the first one was, do you remember when uh, Borat did the shit? And then like the way they covered the story made it sound like Rudy Giuliani was really. And then and then like when you actually read into it, like the media misled everybody. Yeah. And they yeah. forgot to tell us it was a Borat story. Yeah, it was a Borat movie. Right. Uh, then the other was is like the the girl that recently. Um, oh, but uh, Matariza. Oh no, 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 different. The Trump. Right, but sued Trump. Like it's like when you criticize. Oh, like I'm starting to not even care about the crit. Oh, like I'm almost assuming this is just political shit, when it could yeah. very well be a legitimate claim. Right. Yeah just like fatigue it's the cry wolf fatigue so i'm icing up um you know that whole system that then gets us and really do you think you're gonna she could be blowing Giuliani while he's on the telephone yeah. 
<laughs> Could you imagine? You know what? That's nah, a round of that's... did that. Dude, also, uh, it just seems quit. to me like... I, I mean, I'm sorry. Just quit. But no, dude, what, what you were saying, though, it seems to me, and this is coming from someone who is now at 33 years old, completely apolitical. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm same. Same. They, uh, Democrats, they don't want to win an election. They want the judicial system to do it for them. So instead of beating Trump outright, no, they want to pin oh, all, they know they can. All, the, all this other dumb legal shit against him that's only going to further embolden him to his fan base. It's... Yeah, you know what? Here and my only this, and I have not followed it like I used to. Like I, that's why I started this podcast. It I turns to, my stomach, man. Yeah, I can't just, do I it used, anymore. I used to follow the news a lot and be interested and have opinions, but I do think this is. I think that the Democrats no don't believe they can beat Trump with Biden. No, and they also want Bi- and they also want Biden to be the president, so they can then use him to. A weekend of Bernie's president, right? That they, right. That they like parade that. around like, like a puppet. We need him to be president, but we know he can't beat the guy, so we gotta yeah. find a way to win this. It's like yeah, so uh, we have to anyway. find a woman that'll make up a story about Donald in a in a public story. Yeah, oh, what in a dressing room? Like I was like, oh, he molested me in a Kmart. Like, wait, Dude, Donald this- Trump in a Kmart. <laughs> We're we're so off the rails, but did you see the okay. Donald Trump deposition video where no. they're they're uh they're 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 asking him about stuff, and I think it came up like one of the 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 woman deposing him was like you know how he was like grabbing by the pussy, yeah. all those, and he was like, did, uh, she asked him, did you once say that? And he was like, yeah, that's what you did at the time. Like it was basically like owning it, you know, like that. You should. When, I mean, when, at yeah, this point, you were, right? It's don't lie about and, it. Yeah, when you were rich and famous back in the day, he's like, hey, man, that's what I could do. Bill that Clinton was, should, Bill Clinton's biggest mistake back in the day, in my opinion, was just trying to walk the line of truth too far. Like one, he's like, I didn't inhale. Just say you smoke pot. Just say you tried it. And then the yeah. other was he said, I did not have sexual relations. And then he said, I didn't think that oral sex was sex. Like, (laughs) I think Americans are actually more forgiving if you're just open, honest and apologetic than if you are lying and all of that. Oh, yeah. Well, remember, this is what politicians do. They believe these half truths that that they tell themselves into their. Yeah, they lie until they believe it. Yeah. Uh, What do you got? Uh, Mine. This first one isn't necessarily. uh, It could have been an ice up if my man got hurt, but uh, it, it shows how far a person will go. Oh, this is Save awesome. This is family right here. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. <laughs> They're fighting. He's trying to find the right moment. Like, oh, 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 oh. Oh, shit. All right. Home free. Which, by the way, I love one of my favorite Twitter handles is the closed circuit. T- like, uh, it's just all of these videos of random security videos around the world of like shit like that. So fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, like one of these. So I'm icing up life because, dude, life will come at you fast. Watch the absurdity of this video, bro. So it, they, they got this Chinese dude dubbing over it. So this old man just walking, minding his business. Boom. 
a cat falls from a power line, <laughs> lands on his head, and knocks homeboy completely the fuck unconscious, right? Then check it out. Then a dog walks up to check on him, and the dog, for some reason, is wearing shoes. <laughs> like, just randomly wearing shoes, right? So then the dog is like, oh, man, that's fucked up. The dog realized what happened. He goes over to the cat, like, hey, bro, you're fucked up, man. What'd you do that for? He starts yelling at him, and the cat just bitch slaps him. Uh, I, got, uh, <laughs> oh, I got that's one a, that's good. No, that's the whole video. Just that crazy chain of events. Boom. Knocks him out. Cat runs away. A dog randomly with shoes on is like, huh? What happened here? <laughs> Why does the dog have shoes I on? know. I thought, dude, I have no idea. He goes to confront the cat, and the cat says, get your bitch ass out here. <laughs> I want you to just, this is the one that I, let me see if I can get this up here. Uh, this one made me laugh. Very something kind of similar to that one. This woman is hit by this tire. Can I not go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah, it hits. Look, she the dodges the tire <laughs> and then it gets it. It's the back. Oh, dude, that's the worst luck ever. Man. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, that one's that's rough. Um, right. I have one more. It's, uh, oh, nice. It's not even a video. To the dog with shoes on. I know, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, what world do we live in? Uh, UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya's ex girlfriend is taking him to court for half of his wealth because they dated too long and she supported his career. Thought be gone. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? She's not married to him. She doesn't have his children. He wasted the best years of my life. Yeah. What are you even saying, man? Like, come on. Uh, Like, to to this uh, gold-digging Jezebel, I'm going to say, ice up, son. Ice up. This is why lawyers ruin the world, man. Like, if if litigation has ruined the world. Yeah. Right? Uh, Like, that's why we can't just have... Um, there was these kids. They they're college kids. It looked like, and they set up like it looked like they had like a black stone grill. You know those flat top grills. That yeah, are, yeah. Oh, those are. And awesome. these guys just set up shop outside in a parking lot of Food Lion, and we're just like making chicken sandwiches and making food and selling it, and like entrepreneurial spirit. But you know, I was like, man, these mugs are gonna get shut down. You know, but I mean, because yeah. like everything needs a. Everything is so government heavy and it's not when we say government, that's just an easy way, but lawyers and litigation are a big part of that. Right. I mean, like we've litigated the world and the fact is that she's suing because she didn't make a better decision to not be with this dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like, <laughs> dude, uh, but also think about all the, that's my favorite fighter, by the way. I love Israel. I sign there. Uh, the the amount of time and training and dedication that he has put into his career, and she's she like, this guy wouldn't drink with me. He yeah, drink with me before uh, fights. I wasted all my time. How stupid, bro! Uh, how stupid. Right. 
That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. You're interested in checking out some of our gear. You can buy some T-shirts and some other gear at CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Maybe even consider writing for the website. Friday Free For All is hot and a big part of Panther Nation. We've got a lot of stuff coming out. I've got some cool secret ideas I haven't even shared with the fellas yet. You got to be a part of it. Smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe. Cody Lack, tell them how they can get after you. Yeah, man. Find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Every Friday at 7 p.m., the show that is for Panther fans by Panther fans. That's the Friday free-for-all where you can join the show via StreamYard and be a part of the action just like Tony and I are doing right now. And, uh, yeah, we took last Monday off, but every Monday at 1030, I, uh, me, uh, Desmond Johnson and Monty Fay do embrace debate Carolina Panthers. You can check it uh, here on C3 Cat Chronicles and on Tobacco Sports Road Radio. Oh, uh, shout out to the real AP. I'm pretty sure he said he's got a job interview tomorrow. Go ahead and get that job here. He said, hey, a- shout out AP. Give me a thesis. Well, the two things that come to mind first, I think you're talking about PCU where he ruined it, where that guy a great movie. It's like my generation's animal house. And he goes, what are you majoring in? And he's given out dissertations to help these people that when his friend screwed up and he goes, I'm majoring in Sanskrit. And he said, you're majoring in a 4,000 year dead language here, Latin best I can do for you. That was his thesis. Uh, <laughs> but here's my thesis, my advice to you in an interview. And I don't know what type of job you're going for. If it is a more like a bigger kind of a company that has like an HR and like a process and they have to do the same. Generally, the last question of an interview is, do you have any questions for us? And what my suggestion is to to think about the position, think about the company and develop a question that shows your interest in the company or the position beyond just you getting the job. I've been on a couple of these committees before and they're like, so when are we going to find out how much is the days? Like it's very me centric. And I think what that gives you an opportunity, just take 10 minutes, look at their website, do a little Google search about what the company's doing and maybe some challenges they're interesting uh, or, or facing or some things like that, some objectives and make that question about them. Put a thought on the committee Turn it to them. That's what I've always liked in the past. That's my advice. And you're right. We're not going to protest. It's the great movie. Cody Lack, take us out of here. If you haven't seen PC, I might go watch it tonight. I need to laugh. <laughs> uh, hey, C3 Panther Nation. Until next time, keep pounding.